And we are live. This is Dark Journalists. Uh, what a fantastic crowd we have out there in the ideas room already. Of course, tonight I am joined by the lovely Olivia. Hi, everybody. And uh, Olivia, you know, it's interesting. I hear secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep. Mm -hmm. So basically what we have here is an eye for an eye and a spy for a spy with our special episode tonight covering the antics of the Mellon crew. And uh, this is Dark Journalist Special X Report, UFO File Puppet Show, X-Protect Games, going deep into UFO whistleblower David Grush, uh, our conversation, a lot of the controversy that came out of that, uh, and a lot of the strange activities of Grush after the fact of our conversation, including this Wall Street CIA Homeland Security soiree, and uh, a number of things that came to light in regard to what's going on there in the background uh, with the Chris Mellon op and what the Mellon crew is up to. So the Mellon team in the focus tonight, uh, of course, Mellon being Christopher Mellon, who's been leading this false CIA disclosure uh, activity, was a former DOD Intel official. Now he was the number three guy at the Pentagon for many years under Clinton, under W. Bush, um, and was, was involved in that whole scene. And when I went back into his earlier history, found him very closely associated with uh, Defense Secretary William Cohen. And that becomes uh, quite important tonight as we're looking into these things because it's going to show that Christopher Mellon was part of the Stargate uh, program, which puts him in with all of the kind of remote viewing and uh, UFO people way back there. And we're going to find out also that William Cohen... Uh, who was the defense secretary under Clinton, and he was a, a Republican, actually. But he was deeply involved in um, UFO activities himself. So this piece with Mellon and Cohen is going to be important. We're also going to find Christopher Mellon as the uh, aide and assistant to John Rockefeller IV, the senator um, out of West Virginia. And uh, this is going to get interesting as well as we go along because we're going to find the Mellons and the Rockefellers crisscrossing all the way along uh, this UFO disclosure path. And again, the divergent paths of genuine uh, UFO disclosure for the public. That's UFO file research, which we study on this program on the X series here on the Dark Journalist Show. Um, and then this CIA circus of uh, fake whistleblowers and intel people and this whole thing trying to control the narrative and um that split has been very apparent since 2017 and uh a new york times article came out which you know came along and exposed lou elizondo who was supposedly an angry intel person who got out of the government to give everyone the truth and so we exposed along with some other people that he was still in the government and the whole thing was a ruse um, but Mellon, Christopher Mellon is right in the heart of that. And his, his protege, the person he's got out there that he's dangling the puppet strings on, that is David Grush. And, um, I'm not, I don't think that Grush necessarily sees himself that way, but I'm going to show you, uh, and some of the things that we brought to light in relation to Grush and his attempt at whistleblowing. And, uh, then the, uh, kind of the pertinent points in a, conversation that I had with him, some of which uh, has come to light and some of which hasn't. And, you know, the nature of the conversation was there were some general things that we could talk about and weren't 
in this kind of privacy, super secret context. And uh, I've kept a number of things from that conversation private, but some things uh, I think would be important uh, to have out there, especially in relation to this. And the funny thing is the reaction from that, from the Mellon team has been incredible efforts at discrediting. And uh, we're going to see that those guys are on overdrive for anyone who gets near uh, the center of their operation. And the center of that operation is Christopher Mellon, the DOD official who is busy covering up real UFO disclosure, telling whistleblowers, don't go near this guy, don't go near that show, don't go for that interview, and pulling the strings. So much so that when I spoke to Grush, uh, he told me he was you know, very apprehensive because of the reprisals from Mellon and the, the Mellon family. So that's a big big deal. And before they drag this guy before Congress again, and we go through the whole charade like we did last summer, we need to know who's pulling his strings, who's back there, and uh, what kind of puppet show is being run with the UFO file. We're going to get into that tonight on this X special report. We're going to go about 90 minutes with you here tonight. Uh, and before I go any further, Miss Olivia, you're up. Neva Moore says, love that DJ is going hard on X. Never surrender. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's very interesting because ex-steganography, uh, which we've talked about for you know a number of years on this show, uh, ex-protect, the group that controls the UFO file, controls what can come out, phony disclosures. But if you get a hot disclosure, something important that they don't want out there, they'll do everything to discredit it. You see how this works. It's We run both sides of the table. That's very important. And ex-protect is going to come into the lexicon a lot more and we found that even in his email to me, Grush uh, had used it. And um, I do want to say right off the bat that there's there's no animosity towards Grush or anything. It's just that there's a game that's being played by the Mellon team, and they've utilized Grush. And so when Grush and I crossed paths, he reached out to me um, basically to say, you know, I want to share some details with you and talk about some things. And I've been a fan of the show. I've been in the ideas room. Uh, so Grush was an ideas room guy, and uh, he'd been working in the government, and uh, he said that he wasn't so, so interested in the UFO file until 2017. And um, this was interesting because it got contradicted later by his statement, um, which was revealed when he was talking to the uh, inspector general of the intelligence community. And there it said, you know, He's been looking into UFOs for 15 years. So then he came out with a statement saying whoever took that down was wrong. So I, f I find these inconsistencies interesting. And if anything, we can clear the record on a lot of these, I think will be important for him. So he should welcome this. Also, if there is this uh, Cosa Nostra pressure being pressured uh, on Grush by Mellon, then we're putting really popping the pin on the whole thing tonight. Uh, and Mellon's not going to be able to do that as easily. It's already out there. So Grush has much less to be apprehensive about, shall we say. I'm going to get into why this is important because we're talking about a very serious topic. And uh, especially when they put it on the level uh, where they develop these incredible defense offices like Arrow, which are basically UFO defense offices. Uh, they are building an entire infrastructure and that infrastructure is being built for large-scale defense dollars, along with all the missing trillions that we know about already at the Pentagon. This gives them the ultimate excuse. Um, we've been tracking that internal battle on the UFO file. It goes all the way through the Space Force, of course, with President Trump, again, 
this utilization by the executive branch, trying to take that power back under the umbrella of the executive branch. Uh, so the presidents have been trying to do that since JFK. And uh, we know JFK's effort ended up in ex-protect assassinating him. This is the wing of the intelligence agencies that's deep in there protecting uh, that UFO secret. And so you can see how these things become very important uh, in a certain way, in a certain light. So when we take them before Congress, and we're going to go through some statements of Congress people tonight, along with a very interesting report by the director there of Arrow, who uh, retired, and went on to some other job in government, but he put out a big op-ed today about what he thought of these whistleblowers coming forward and how he had invited Grush in on a number of occasions to give all of his facts to this UFO defense office arrow, and Grush never came in. Um, when I talked to Grush, you know, it's funny because Kirkpatrick, who is the director of that, and I'll get into all this in great detail, but uh, when I talked to Grush specifically, he said, well, I talk to this guy all the time. So somebody's lying there. Kirkpatrick said, I haven't talked to him in five years. Grush said he talks to him all the time. Uh, so why is why would Kirkpatrick lie about Grush? This is unusual. And, uh, you know, one of them is lying. Maybe it is Kirkpatrick. And he doesn't want it on the record that he's talking to Grush. So it's a weird game uh, inside of all that there. But what happened with me specifically in the Grush call, I think is going to be important. I'm going to get to that before I get into any of that, I want to mention that we're going to be taking your questions in the second half of tonight's program. So what we'll do is we'll go for about an hour here, and then in the last half hour, we'll take your questions for the special report. And then uh, a couple of quick notes. Next week, we have an exciting interview for you. And then the following Friday, um, we're going to have the return of the X-Series. So we'll have all that for you. I also want to remind you to go to Dark Journalists, especially if you're new here, and sign up. Uh, for the newsletter. That's a free newsletter and it keeps us in touch and you're going to find amazing things in relation to fantastic uh, interviews we have coming up there. Great X-Series episodes, uh, fantastic documentary uh, work that we'll have for you and some very special events. It's all there and also mark on your calendar uh, February 25th for a very special broadcast. But the newsletter has all that information. So just sign up for the free newsletter at darkjournalist.com. Uh, make sure you go and do it. It takes 10 seconds. Just sign your name in there. Stand up and be counted because we're under extreme, and I mean extreme censorship. And with this story, <laughs> uh, I can only it's only going to get worse, right, Miss mm -hmm. Olivia? So uh, before I go any further, I'm off to you. Miss Olivia, how's the weather out there? Uh, good. Brummy <laughs> Bush Pig Adventure says the phone call could have been a setup, DJ. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose so. The thing is, look, I've always told anyone involved in those UFO operations, uh, you know, even Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon himself, you know, Bobby Inman, any, any of those people could all come on this show. And it's interesting, I mentioned Inman there because um, it got raised uh, through some research that we've done and some other people who have deep knowledge on these subjects that the whole thing may be reporting back to Inman at the end of the day. So I want to bring Bobby Inman back in as, a, as an interesting character in all this, uh, someone who's had very, very deep knowledge uh, inside the government on these matters. And at one point actually came out and said, yeah, we, we know who's flying inside the craft. <laughs> well, really, that's kind of important. Um, 
So we have a lot of interesting things there. What I want to say is that um, one thing I think is interesting is that when I was talking to Grush, he said that there were two intelligence agencies that were listening to the call. <laughs> uh, so, I, and I don't doubt it for a minute, but you can see, you know, everything is a little bit flipped out in that world. And um, so what happens is the people, when you talk to them and they're in the field of intelligence, they have a, a tendency, it's like a built-in habit that they can no longer, in a way, have a normal conversation back and forth. Everything is kind of strategic. <laughs> and I think that a guy like Grush was really doing the best that he could when we talked. The problem is the premise of the conversation, and I'm going to read his email and we're going to have a timeline on this, but the premise of the conversation was that we were going to have a series of conversations and that he wasn't really related to this melon uh Op and that he was going to, you know, pull away from it and stand up on his own. What happened somewhere in the middle of that is uh, we had that conversation and that understanding in relation to it. He dropped the contact and then showed up doing all the Wall Street billionaire NSA, uh, FBI, CIA, Homeland Security events. You know, that one in Manhattan that's a mind blower. And uh, so the Mellon control of the whole thing that he was telling me oh, well, I can't come on your show because I'm afraid of Chris Mellon and the blowback and all this kind of stuff. It was, you know, it's just too much. Like you're going to have to choose, you know, what you're doing. If you're with the op, then have fun with the op. But um, there is a way, there's a pathway when you're in that delicate situation to stand up and say, you know what, I have my own story. I don't need to be associated with uh, the Intel CIA false disclosure operation. That was the nature of the conversation that we had. So the stuff that happened afterwards and the CIA soiree and all that stuff, you know, I'm not going to have anything to do with anybody who's doing that. So let's get real. The whole point behind bringing forward Expertech and the things that Grush said he learned from this show is to get away from that and to expose the real thing. And there he is, you know, playing a fiddle for the wrong audience. So uh, that's how I felt about it. So I felt it was pertinent to put on the record that Mellon was pulling the strings. Like I said, I'll keep a number of things private from that conversation because, you know, I, I respect the privacy of someone coming to me and uh, trying to establish a communication like that. However, uh, there were a number of, of points like, you know, saying the call is being intercepted and that we're talking generally so that it didn't fall into the category. You know, there were times when things were off the record and times when it was just a general conversation. So I am, I'm stressing that, um, you know, when it comes to the melon stuff, maybe it's a gray area, but it's important to have out there. And I'm going to actually reflect back Grush's own statement to Congress when it comes to him putting that on the record. Me putting melon on the record as the puppet master maneuvering disclosure is very important for this field. And before we have another charade before Congress and, you know, Corbell in the background, phony, you know, jellyfish balloon or <laughs> I want to get to the real thing. And so there's real UFO disclosure. This show, um, the X series, the dark journalist show has gotten to the core, has been potent in getting to the real thing. And we're not distracted even by fluffy ops and uh, inside secrets or whatever it is, because, um, you know, we have a number of <laughs> inside secrets on the whole thing that we've put out and we're open to getting to the real source truth of it. But, um, you know, we're not going to hang out like a lot of the research people in the UFO field do and wait for the CIA to throw them, 
you know, little bits and pieces. So that's the wrong approach. We're doing our thing. And part of uh, what we're doing with Grush tonight, um, which is, you know, like I said, is, there's no malice or anything like that. The point is to get him off the hook as not having to be a dancing marionette for Christopher Mellon, this billionaire DOD official with his, you know, Rockefeller <laughs> connections, his Mellon money. And um, God knows the kind of deep state connections that this guy has. His version of disclosure is the phony one that we've been seeing run through News Nation and all these things. Uh, you know, and I've been at war with that thing since 2017. I've been exposing it, and I exposed TTSA, I exposed Lou Elizondo. And I did those things, as I said, investigative journalism is adversarial by nature. It's never personal. It can never be personal. But um, you're, when you're going to get to the truth, you know, if you're investigating, for example, a company that's dumping nuclear waste into a river, you know, you're not going to play handball with the CEO. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just not going to be that kind of relationship. So uh, certainly for any of those people involved, it's nothing personal. But the deeper piece that we've been able to track is the intelligence manipulation of the subject for 80 years. That's long enough. Um, and so when we look at the level at which it is, it's at a kind of a fever pitch now, and they're trying to use through the Melanop the figure of David Grush. So we're going to kind of demolish that whole operation tonight so that people who are whistleblowers can stand up on their own two feet. And I'll put the facts out there and people can think uh, what they want. They can make their own decisions on it. But, you know, what we're looking for is the real deal in relation to the UFO file, the cover-up uh, that has gone on, and the exotic technology that's been developed for decades and uh, that we've put on the record here, really spotlighting the breakaways here, breaking back in. Everyone, you're watching The Dark Journalist Show. This is UFO File Puppet Show, an X-Protect Games X-Series special. We're going to be taking your questions in the second part of the program. Uh, Miss Olivia, I'll throw it to you, and then I'll get into our opening salvo. Frankie Torres says, once a puppet, always a puppet. But can puppets free themselves? They can. They can. All you have to do is come clean. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. In my conversation uh, with Grush, you know, he has a great interest in the mystery schools and how they figure in all this. And, um, you know... When you do intelligence work, like I said, you develop almost a second skin of how to maneuver things and gamemanship and all this kind of thing. It's totally understandable. But when you put yourself out there um, saying that you're being honest in relation to certain things and you're under oath and protecting the Constitution and all this kind of stuff, then playing games in the background with Mellon and Lou and the lying crew that's been lying to the public since 2017 um, – that's not the way to do it. And you can't, you can't play both sides at the end of the day. It doesn't work. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm somebody who has a higher moral nature than David Grush. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is fundamentally, you know, when you're in the truth telling business and you can't tell the truth, you get out of the business. So, are you going to tell the truth? And is the truth is that Christopher Mellon's been manipulating who you can talk to in the UFO field. That's a huge earthquake. And so that's what I'm putting on the record tonight. And uh, I think it's significant in a number of different ways because there's been a whole kind of false UFO disclosure uh, movement that's been going on. 
And, you know, that includes the whole Grush um, piece that came out, which was, you know, Mellon massaged, Mellon created. And that's not to say he didn't have his own experience as well, but this is the person who was grooming in the background. And I'm going to point out that in, in his own conversation with me, he told me that uh, Elizondo managed him for a while and attempted to kind of keep that going and wanted to basically be his handler. So that's who we're talking about. It's Mellon, it's Lou. These are all the familiar people to the people who've been paying attention. And for the rest of the people kind of going over the waterfall with it, you know, we're just not going over the waterfall. And um, I think the field is important. It's been decimated and made into a commercial circus by the CIA because that's good for them. Um, but it can be really brought back. And if you have the kind of um, what I call deep state investigatory level and you're aiming that at the UFO field, we're going to get very far indeed. And that's what we're doing on this program. Okay. With no further ado, I'm going to hop into uh, some of the key quotes from my conversation. I want to point out um, that when it comes to Grush, you know, he's uh, certainly his positions in the NRO, which is a super secret organization, National Reconnaissance Office, set up under JFK and kept off the record for 30 years. Um, we have to be also aware that there may be indeed organizations that are, you know, were created and are operating now without our knowledge at all. Because if they could keep that off the record for 30 years, well, they might have a whole UFO defense network, grid, everything else going on. And that could be where these missing trillions are going. Now, uh, very openly, they're talking about the secret space programs uh, in the news. I'm going to show some of those headlines as well. But you can see a lot of the things that we've been covering now. Uh, you know, the cat is coming out of the bag, the 800-pound gorillas out. And so it's more of a matter of how do we deal with it? And uh, I think some of the creative solutions, you know, that we've been able to offer on this program have given people a preview. So when this stuff showed up, you know, they're a little more ready for, you know, disease X <laughs> and the X degenography therein, um, you know, X, the everything app and all this stuff. So there becomes more, you know, we become more on the same level with the people on that elite level that are manipulating things on the ground and unfortunately to the detriment of their own population. Um, so this becomes kind of a key factor in the middle of all this. So Grush, uh, you know, I do want to say that when he first came out, there was a possibility there, a hope that this might be somebody who was on the inside and had seen some things. Now, uh, he, when he came out, he actually said that he hadn't seen anything himself and that he was getting all this from a kind of a witness testimony when he was part of the UAP task force as the um, liaison for the NRO. And um, so he's had these different positions in government and um, they would give him access to see certain things, but he didn't claim, at least in his initial testimony, that that was the case. He was saying certain people have told me certain things. Um, but part of that, it started to come out, you know, like crash saucers and uh, biologics and all this kind of thing. So his testimony was different. And some of the people from the 2017 CIA op, like Leslie Kane and Elizondo, they started to move away from him a little bit because they didn't talk about that. 
So he did. So somebody in there was trying to work this into the conversation. Um, but we have to remember a few things about Grush. I'm going to use his own testimony to substantiate it. You know, what he says is basically when he started doing the UAP task force, he started to hear these UFO conversations and then at a certain point decided to become a whistleblower around it. But how he was groomed into that position and how people like Mellon and Elizondo were involved, and remember that the same people who came out and lied earlier and brought us TTSA and all that junk and, you know, $50 million in debt and bad TV shows and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, we have to be clear that his, his own uh, timelines there are fuzzy, but I'm going to try to get to the bottom of it tonight. Okay, first up, his email. And part of the things the Mellon team tried to do was to discredit my phone call with Grush. That was the first. It's impossible to do. Both sides will confirm it. You know, there's tons of documentation that could prove that. Um, but uh, they tried to do that in social media. So I put out the email that he had sent me with redactions of any personal stuff. So that's the original email that Grush sent. And I'm sure that Grush, if it was point blank asked to him, wouldn't lie about it. You know, he's not going to lie about his own email. Uh, but I'm going to read the email here. It just says, good morning, sir. I've been following your work for quite some time, and I'm aware of your recent discussions on your channel regarding myself. While I'm associated with certain individuals you have concerns about, Chris Mellon, Elizondo and company, uh, that's me saying that. And he says, and honestly, that's very warranted. Okay, so he's giving us the hint there immediately. I know that they're sketchy as all get out. There is more than meets the eye. I'm very aware of how complex the UFO file is, issue is and the X-Protect faction that goes back to the late 19th century. Now that's straight out of the X-Series. And there he's kind of showing, yeah, I've been watching the X-Series for a long time, which in fact he has. He's a, he's a member of the Ideas Room. He may be in there right now. Um, he says, uh, based on my independent knowledge, he, he mentioned that, I've associated myself with certain individuals to understand the concerns of other factions and to assess their objectives to get us to the true objective of transparency. Um, and then I redacted a little thing that he said there about a politician. And then uh, he said, you have every right to be skeptical of me since I'm familiar. Uh, since I'm a former intelligence officer, I do understand your initial misgivings. I can assure you I'm not part of a PSYOP, witting or unwitting. Well, if you were an unwitting member, you wouldn't know it anyway. And I would like the opportunity to address your concerns. I want to understand your deeper scholarship on the matter regards Dave Grush. Okay, so that's the uh, that was the initial contact that we made. Um, the thing is that, uh, like I said, I'd had an open door policy with all of them. I said we could have a gentleman's debate anytime, you know, talk behind the scenes, whatever it is. But um, you know, you're, at a certain point, you're going to have to face tough questions. You might as well face it with me because I know the subject. And the thing is. The fact that all those people avoided <laughs> the Dark Journalist show was very telling because they knew within a couple of minutes the whole thing would unravel. This was the nature of the problem. Uh, because in the case of Elizondo uh, or Mellon or anybody, you know, Mellon lists himself in LinkedIn. This doesn't require a lot of uh, research. In LinkedIn, Mellon lists himself as an investor. That's what he is. So if he's a private equity investor, the UFO file is pretty good right now. 
uh, you know, so you have to take these things in kind of more of a straight ahead fashion. These people are in it for different types of rewards. And I think the idealism is much more minimal. You know, I don't see somebody like Mellon with a great quest to unveil for humanity UFOs. I think he thinks, you know, I have all this Mellon banking money. How am I going to maneuver it so that in the 21st century, it's worth just as much as it was in the 20th century? Uh, and that's a pretty interesting point. Okay. So, um, Grush came out, you remember, and it was through News Nation, and he did these interviews and uh, with Russ Coulthart, who famously mm -hmm. said, I'm scared <laughs> when uh, talking to Grush. So there were some weird things in the beginning where it said, uh, Coulthart said that Grush's home has been broken into and that he's been targeted with surveillance and overall harassed. Coulthart says he has a pretty good idea, that is, Grush has a good idea, of who is doing the harassing, quote, and it's quite extraordinary. Additionally, the individuals harassing Grush aren't linked to a government agency. It's probably a private contractor. So um, there's a lot of weird things there, and I talked with him about some of this, and I will go to some of those notes on that. But what I want to say is this. My suggestion was that somebody who was like an Elizondo could have been doing part of that as a way to make him think he was being harassed so that he would go and you know, go before Congress and bolster uh, the operation. So, you know, it's a thought. Uh, was he really being harassed for the things that he hadn't even let out yet? I don't know. But uh, in any case, you know, I, I tend to, when somebody says they're being harassed, I tend to believe them. So uh, that's where I was on that one. So um, what happens going forward well, actually, I'm going to go backward for a moment, which is during his testimony, he um, revealed that his lawyer was Charles McCullough, who used to be the in intelligence community inspector general. Now, this guy is a deep, deep, deep stater and uh, was associated with writing the Patriot Act. Not the kind of guy you would think would want UFO transparency by any stretch of the imagination. That's a shot of Grush, and that is his lawyer, McCullough, behind him. Um, you know, this is a very unusual look for someone who's into transparency. However, because of the high-level nature uh, of him being the former intelligence community inspector general, that is top spook, then, um, you know, the idea is maybe Grush felt well, there's a certain amount of protection in that. What it looked to me like was that Mellon was positioning his old friends <laughs> who had written, you know, the Patriot Act and kind of got us into this uh, situation of continuity of government, that this whole thing was being arranged now for the UFO file. It was one of those signs that the emergency powers, UFO emergency, uh, the UFO threat was being invoked. One of the things that uh, Elizondo and Nolan and all these other people liked to invoke when they were talking, and TTSA loved this, and the media loved it for a while, was the UFO threat. It was threat this, threat that. There's a threat in the skies. We need a UFO office and, you know, let the profits from Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman roll on. So uh, we have to be aware that a lot of this is motivated by the same defense contractors who have us shooting eight different ways in Ukraine 
and want to get us involved in a major war in the Middle East. So we have to keep that in mind as we get along here, that these are the exact same characters. By the way, the same lineage of characters who were involved 60 years back that go back to the big blowout in the government with the assassination of President Kennedy up against, again, the military-industrial complex. Um, that thing never changed because they never got dethroned. Kennedy did. So, you know, we've just been living with it, and they've been growing and growing and growing. And um, I can show you those budgets. I can show you the charts for budgets when they should have gone down substantially after the Cold War. They went through the roof. doesn't make any sense at all. The so-called peace dividend was supposed to guarantee that we would have all kinds of money because we didn't have to fight that Cold War anymore. None of that happened. And the defense contractors became wealthier and wealthier, and the government would open up more and more repressive militaristic organizations like Homeland Security, which you know, is fetching not just 50,000, 100,000 employees, 250,000. That's a quarter of a million people for an organization that didn't even exist in 2001. So, you know, we have to kind of take this for what it is, which is it's an entire growth uh, inspiration for a police state action globally. And then they're moving that same motion into space. And the more they think about it, you know, they can go to Mars and do the same thing. <laughs> so, you know, they're exponentially on this weird fascist fantasy, and the UFO piece really lets them do that. Now, as much as they will manipulate our perceptions around UFOs, it doesn't mean that the UFO experience or the UFO file isn't real. It's very, very real. It's just that what they're telling us about it, after denying it for eight decades, the things that they're starting to share about it now just ain't so. And that's the, the nature of the problem uh, with what we're seeing here. But one of the key figures um, in all this is Chris Mellon. And um, so I just want to give a quick timeline in relation to Grush. So Grush gets in touch with me. I have this very pleasant conversation. He reveals some things the idea is we're going to have another conversation. Um, there are a few weird things in that phone call and also a couple of things that don't add up. But nonetheless, I was open to this idea that we we're going to do a string of phone calls and he was going to follow up with me in about a week. He disappeared completely. And then he shows up on the radar uh, as I covered last week. And this is a very interesting <laughs> episode I want to mention to you because it has a lot of strange characters, including Anna Chapman, the Russian spy in it. But um, a quick kind of do-over on all that is this headline. UFO whistleblower held secret talk with Wall Street bigwigs and CIA officials in Manhattan where he claimed he was in possession of 40-foot TARDIS-like craft, uh, where he claimed U.S. was in possession of 40-foot TARDIS-like craft that was supposed to be the size of a football field when you stepped in it. Former U.S. intelligence officer David Grush held secret UFO presentation. He revealed new details about the UAP retrieval program. Now, when you move to this UAP thing, remember, uh, it's a false marketing trick to say UAP, in fact. Um, so UFO is the nature of the thing. So when you change the name, you can change the origin. You can change all kinds of things. You have the United States of America. You have the homeland. Well, the homeland is some weird terrorist-run thing with North, Northcom fighting uh, terrorists. 
and it doesn't have anything to do with the Constitution or whatever. The United States, on the other hand, has a Constitution that protects your rights, your life, and your liberty, and everything else. When they change names, watch them. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is what happened immediately after our talk. It was like a couple of days later, literally, that he went off to this thing, and it was really peddling to these billionaires that were there. Now, um, one of the people that was there was the lawyer who was involved with Anna Chapman. Uh, she was his girlfriend, actually. And uh, he was the one who sponsored this soiree. So the CIA Wall Street soiree that Grush spoke at and gave these secrets out, you know, he's like peddling UFO secrets to the wrong crowd. And uh, so that's Anna Chapman, and it's her boyfriend who was in the center of the Anna Chapman scandal. That's a decade ago. But it's very strange bedfellows. Now, Terraverse Salon host UFO whistleblower Grush. As part of the Terraverse Salon, John L. Torelli, that's the lawyer, welcomed David Grush, former U.S. intelligence official, revealing new details about UAP retrieval program. The attendees included high officials from FBI, CIA, Department of Homeland Security, tech entrepreneurs, and Wall Street bigwigs. Boy, the bigwig word is mm -hmm. getting around. Um, so we have the picture there. And uh, one other thing I want to say is that Anna Chapman was best friends with this woman that uh, Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, was blackmailing Bill Gates over him. So Bill Gates' alleged Russian lover reportedly linked to notorious Russian spy. All of that is wrapped in the background of the story through the figure of John Altarelli, who sponsored the Wall Street Manhattan soiree for billionaires and CIA officials, where David Grush showed up like a puppy dog with UFO secrets. Okay, so that's what happened there. He got in touch. We had a call. There was lots of promise in the whole thing about you know him sort of opening up about this whole thing and getting away from the melon crowd, and he goes into the heart of the whole thing. So at that point, our contact went off the rails, and then um, I, I noticed a few unusual things that uh, needed to be brought out. So that's what I did, and tonight I'm going to fulfill the rest of that process by crisscrossing things that he's put on the record versus things uh, that he had to say with me, including the fact that the Mellon team and Christopher Mellon uh, were controlling who he could talk to publicly, which I think is an absolute scandal right in the heart of all this, especially when the person that they were trying to block was me. <laughs> Everyone, you're watching The Dark Journalist Show. This is X-Series Special Report, UFO File Puppet Show, X-Protect Games starring Christopher Mellon. We're going to be taking your questions here shortly because we're doing a short condensed report tonight uh, and we'll go as long as we can before uh, I see anything else. Miss Olivia, you're up. Uh, Joseph Tugas says the mind control of linguistics and semantics control the language and you control the conversation. And the Philip K. Dick Film Festival says <laughs> need a flow chart to connect all these shady characters. <laughs> oh, boy, that's really true. Um, well, what's interesting is what you can think of is Christopher Mellon is, you know, he's um, the... Department of Defense Intel official for three decades. And he's, you know, one of the members of the Mellon banking family. And he's the cousin of John Warner, the fourth, 
who comes on this program, whose mom was the heiress for the Mellon banking fortune. So, uh, and John Warner has called out the op on the side of his cousin and what he's been running. And we've run those programs. John came public on this show uh, and really got into some incredible details, put some great things on the record in 2021. And we just did a show with him around that we ran uh, for New Year's Eve. So uh, he's very engaged in this whole thing. And uh, it's interesting because I grabbed one of his quotes that he put up as a comment on the, all this. And uh, <laughs> I like this because it went back to Inman, which is where I went mentally myself about this. But uh, I'll get into that. I want to read some of Mellon's bio just to keep us uh, on the kind of officially correct page. Christopher Mellon spent nearly 20 years in federal government serving in various national security positions. He served on a small committee that provided oversight of all Defense Department special access program, including visits for oversight to Area 51. He became, in fact, what they call the mayor of Area 51. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Now, Richard Bissell, <laughs> who is an old-time space spook in the Kennedy administration who got canned, deeply involved in the cover-up of the Robertson panel and Blue Book and the whole thing. He was also known as the mayor of Area 51. So for me, Mellon became the kind of the heir of this uh, mayor of Area 51. Uh, his positions during the Clinton and Bush administration involved high clearance. Chris is the recipient of numerous awards, including the NRO National Reconnaissance Office Gold Medal. Now, this is interesting because Grush came through that office. So it gives them something tremendously in common. And um, it's interesting in my conversation, you know, with Grush, he did not give me the background level that he should have when we were talking about Mellon, including the fact that he was COO, uh, which I know of uh, Mellon's foundation, the Soul Foundation, meaning, you know, I can't just get away from this guy. I'd have to quit. So there, there were some things there that could have been, let's say, a little more straightforward. Uh, you know, here's my relationship to Chris Mellon. Instead, he said, well, just because he's a billionaire doesn't mean that he owns me. I grew up on food stamps. So that wasn't such a good exchange. <laughs> because it said to me that, you know, you're not talking about uh, your relationship with Mellon on the level. He had apprehension, I think, about that, and maybe for good reason. But um, what happened later when we were talking about this, and we were talking about him coming on the show, you know, there were these big sighs about what Mellon, how Mellon would feel about it, and how the Mellon banking family would get really ticked off, and that he didn't want to, you know, hit up that bees hive, basically. So this, you know, guy who was supposed to take down the UFO secret and take on, you know, the deep staters and ex-protect and everybody is afraid to come on the dark journalist show because of Chris Mellon. So that didn't add up and it does not add up. Maybe Grush can explain it. But um, for me, it just sounds like somebody is pulling your strings. There's a puppeteer back there. But in a weird way, Grush, in his responses to this, helped me to understand Mellon's influence even more because I, by talking with John Warner and by investigating the Mellon background and Chris Mellon's background in particular, 
uh, and seeing him involved with Area 51 and these other pieces, I came to understand the influence. But there was still the idea that maybe Mellon was answering to somebody higher up the chain. Um, but I think when Grush got apprehensive talking about Chris Mellon, that opened things dramatically. And then finally, the whole, you know, I can't do this because Chris Mellon will get upset. You know, that tells you everything you need to know. Um, but we're going to go even further. At the Department of Defense, Chris's committee eliminated uh, potential duplication in secret programs. He worked with NRO, CIA, and NSA. So ultra secret um, in all of those different functions. And getting the NRO medal means that's where he did the best job. Uh, and of course, they don't give you medals for Area 51, but they give you a wink and a nod. and You know you're onto something. Now, I want to tell everyone here that this guy who is the champion and, oh, that government has to give us disclosure and all the rest, this Christopher Mellon of the Mellon banking family went on the record in 2016 and said it's all bunk. There are no UFOs. The government doesn't have UFOs. They don't know anything about it. What's wrong with you? That's what he said in 2016. In 2017, he joined TTSA as the big cheerleader for UFOs. The question is, what changed? That's what we're going to get into here. Everyone, you're watching the Dark Journalist Show deep tonight, if we can handle it, and we could certainly can in the ideas room. This is Dark Journalist UFO File Puppet Show, X-Protect Games, Christopher Mellon, David Grush, and the whistleblower soiree of the century, we're going to take your questions in the last half hour of the program tonight. I'm going to go on here for about another 20 minutes, and then we'll get to your questions before I go any further. Miss Olivia, you're up. So Michelle B. says, Mellon is doing the bidding of whom? And David Donaway says, two Mellon family members were in the Pilgrim Society. So it seems they were mm. deep in the Masonic Anglo-American establishment that wanted the British Empire to continue via America corporate cartel. Excellent point. Wow. Um, I did some fantastic shows with John Warner on his family, the Mellon family. And, um, you know, he has a fascinating background, but he went into some great detail about Andrew Mellon. And Andrew Mellon has a very interesting distinction. Not only was he U.S. treasurer, and, uh, you know, he he's very interesting because He's not only U.S. Treasurer, but he's the great-grandfather of Warner. And uh, he's also the treasurer for the Cosmos Club, which I have summed up as a kind of UFO Bilderberg sitting there in D.C. And, uh, you know, it's been pointed out to me, well, maybe they were more influential in the periods I was looking at. Um, but it seems to me that the Cosmos Club is a very big key when it comes to what's actually taking place there because... Those people, just like Bilderberg, need a center location and a headquarters to get together and discuss these things. And it's fascinating. I did a number of episodes on the Cosmos Club. What I found out was that the people who were there in the heart of it were the same people in the heart of the UFO file, including J. Allen Hynek, uh, you know, Edward Condon of the Condon Committee. All the people in history associated with this were sitting right there as members of the Cosmos Club. So uh, that is indeed <laughs> very telling. Um, in terms of Christopher Mellon, and this is one of the uh, memes <laughs> we circulated about this, and this is you know basically boiling down the conversation. Grush, I'm worried that if I appear with you on your show, it will anger Chris Mellon and I'll get nasty signals. 
All right, this is this is what he was saying. So why is it that Chris Mellon is giving Grush nasty signals for appearing on this show? Especially when Grush, obviously by reaching out, wanted to come and talk, uh, unless you think you know that that wasn't the case. It seemed pretty obvious to me that he wanted to, and uh, that the thing that was holding him up that he was afraid of was Chris Mellon. And also, does it bother anyone in that UFO circus, you know, movement that Christopher Mellon can determine where the whistleblowers go and who they talk to? I mean, that's the ultimate, you know, how much of a, I mean, are you doing this? Are you in shackles? You know, I mean, are you doing this to be someone, have they handcuffed your manhood? You know, I mean, (laughs) come on. So that's not, you know, that's not a very dignified role. And um, I don't think anyone in their money or their influence should have that ability or power. Okay. Now this is very interesting. Early, early on 2003, this article, listen closely. Senator Jay Rockefeller, Democrat of West Virginia is the Senate select intelligence committee, new vice chairman. He's hired Christopher Mellon. Yes, of the Mellon family, as minority staff director. They worked together in the Trilateral Commission for years, joked one committee staffer, so it seemed like a natural fit. The 45-year-old staffer, whose great-grandfather started Gulf Oil Company, is a descendant of Judge Thomas Mellon. The senator, of course, is John Davison Rockefeller IV, great-grandson of the man who founded Standard Oil. So there's a huge crisscross there in his background. This is funny. It's in the article. The Illuminati banking leaders, such as the Rothschilds, the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, and the Carnegies, and the Mellons, as examples, will reveal themselves and offer to save the foundering economy, says one uh, website. <laughs> Both families are great fodder for people who run websites devoted to the following of the Illuminati, a secret society of rich people who are allegedly plotting to take over the world. <laughs> Next thing you'll know, they'll be talking about running a virus and locking people down. Oh, unfortunately, it all came true. A new system of monetary exchange based on international monetary system based between Cairo and Brussels and Belgium will be set up. A one-world economy with a one-world currency creating the longed-for one-world order will become reality. Now, they're quoting and making fun of this article. It's talking about the Illuminati and the Mellons and the Rothschilds and so forth. A committee aide joked, I hate it when they found out about us. It's very disconcerting. In all seriousness, though, Mellon brings distinguished credentials to the committee post, having spent a decade working on intelligence issues for Senator William Cohen, Republican of Maine, Defense Secretary under Clinton. A little background on Mellon and Cohen. There they are together. And uh, they formed a very close bond. It's interesting. When Mellon worked for him, one of the little notations in here, it says, to Chris Mellon, the other one who kept all the secrets, in quotes, with best wishes, Bill. That is Bill Cohen. Bill Cohen went before the Senate Intelligence Committee and blabbed, (laughs) out of turn that there were weather modification weapons that could cause hurricanes, tornadoes, and all this other stuff. And wouldn't it be bad if terrorists got their hands on that? In the process, he uh, 
kind of got us up to date with the fact that those weapons existed. <laughs> they were long rumored, but uh, that was around 2000. And that's kind of what he's known for. Now, it's interesting because what's lesser known is that he was very deep involved with the whole UFO secrecy aspect, bringing it forward, and also with Project Stargate, the remote viewing program that the government ran, which included some people very deeply involved and interested in the UFO file. Everyone, you're watching the Dark Journalist Show. This is UFO File Puppet Show, X-Protect Games. We're going deep tonight into Christopher Mellon and the UFO puppet show of David Grush before Congress, the UFO whistleblower with who knows what kind of intentions, maybe even good intentions, but got wrapped up in the um, CIA burrito of false disclosure. Now, um, we're going to be taking your questions here fairly shortly. I'm going to try to run through the rest of this, but before I go any further, I want to remind you to go to darkjournalist.com and sign up for our newsletter. That's a free newsletter. It keeps us in touch and gets us around this incredible, and I do mean incredible, uh, censorship that we've been dealing with. And uh, <laughs> I get kind of amazing versions of it every day. Someone sent me a snapshot of search results that they got for dark journalist when they typed it into Google. And it was like one dark journalist thing and then all this other weird stuff you know, like CNN reports. And uh, <laughs> so that's the way that they handle uh, our show when it comes to website rankings and things. But we have that direct pipeline of the newsletter. And um, the newsletter lets you know about exciting, and I mean, very exciting interviews that we have coming up for you. Uh, Dr. Joseph Farrell, Gigi Young, surprise guests, X-series episodes that will blow your mind fascinating reports and documentaries and special events that you're going to want to stand up and be counted for. It's all there in the newsletter. So make sure you're signed up for it. And before I go any further, Miss Olivia, you're up. Doyle Wayne wants to know, are the Millen uh, family, are they part of the Federal Reserve bankers? Oh, well, they're, they're deep in that system. Yeah. I mean, they, um, the Mellon banking piece is uh, comes out of Pittsburgh. That's their stronghold. And they basically kind of are known to run the entire East Coast <laughs> operation before everything went international. So there, um, what's interesting is if you go into John Warner's grandfather, Paul Mellon, there's a lot of interesting stories that he told me about him. Um, but he is listed in 1958 as one of the seven uh, richest men in the world. But what's interesting is three of the others are also melons. So you got four out of the seven wow. are melons. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, they've, they've been at that very uh, high level. And it's interesting because, um, you know, you see some other ones that are involved and uh, in getting deeply involved in the political scene as well. One of the interesting things that came out in the program UFO bloodlines that we did um, is that, you know, John Warner was going back through the things that Paul Mellon had told him. And one of the very interesting things he told him was that, you know, when they were there and they were kind of dissembling the Nazi stuff after the war, that he went into one of these underground bunkers and he was standing on something that was as big as a football field and a half that was saucer shaped and it was, you know, over a hundred meters in diameter. So that craft is something the Nazis developed 
we never heard anything about it. And Paul Mellon related it directly to John Warner. And um, it was very interesting to me also because that story in particular uh, about the very large scale uh, saucer tells us that the Nazis certainly had their own development program, but did they have a redevelopment program? That is, were they ahead of the curve on the whole UFO redevelopment program that got brought into our government under the UFO file auspices? So then you start to think about how far back uh, that goes. We've put it on the record in this program, the programs that go back to the 19th century. And if you, of course, uh, you know, go deeper, you're going to find the whole Atlantean track uh, through Rudolf Steiner and Edgar Casey talking about an ancient technology very much resembling the kind of uh, flight characteristics of the UFO. So um, those things are there. And you know, we have a great understanding of them. We've covered them on this program. And it opens up a much bigger vista of what our history is all about. But certainly um, this disclosure by Paul Mellon to his grandson, um, which took place in the 1980s, about Nazis having a craft that big, and you and I have never heard anything about it, how many other things are just hanging out there? Uh, and I think that this raises a very big question and why you see little sideshow distractions like Corbell and jellyfish and all this nonsense is because the real thing is um, kept in the deep, deep ex-protect circle of protecting the UFO file. I wanted to put this on the record, uh, and I've mentioned it before, but when you get to ex-technology, ex-technology doesn't necessarily mean extraterrestrial. And uh, you have to keep that in mind that the what resides in the UFO file is X-technology. But remember, the Tesla stuff was also X-technology. And as far as we know, he wasn't an alien. <laughs> now, what's interesting is that development of the Tesla line, and by the way, the Trump-Tesla connection comes up tonight because John Trump got brought up by President Trump in New Hampshire here a couple of days ago. Very, very unusually, uh, but it's on the table there for the 2024 election. But when you really think about this, um, that technology that he developed had some of the same characteristics, this kind of uncontrollable piece that they referred to loosely as the death ray in the 1930s. Now, when you look at this and you see what happens during the UFO experience, there's a whole apotheum swirl of effects that happen. That is, a reality distortion field appears, time stops, people flow through objects, you know, animals disappear, you know, all kinds of bizarre things take place. That's apotheum. That's the same effect that they're studying deep, deep inside uh, the UFO file. And they have something in common, the Tesla technology, and what I would say is kind of like the mystery school technology. In fact, that technology and UFO sightings have this in common. And somewhere somebody was like, hey, this acts like this. <laughs> and this is the nature of the crisscross that took place and why the UFO file became so secret. Uh, a lot of people have thought, you know, well, you know, they didn't want to tell everyone that there were aliens because that would blow up everybody's religion or whatever. 
Um, that only accounts, I think, for a small part of the kind of lethal secrecy that you see these groups doing. No, certainly it's the effect and the advantage of the technology that makes them act uh, in this fashion. And I think those repercussions do ricochet in all sorts of um, different programs. And I think the secrecy is withheld. You know, it's interesting. There were people, if you go back and look in history, like Donald Kehoe and others who are right at the apex of this thing. They knew at that time they thought it's the Air Force that's covering everything up. And they had been in the Air Force. And uh, in the case of Kehoe, he had flown everywhere with Lindbergh. And they'd all they'd seen UFOs everywhere because he was really one of the first people up there. So, uh, you know, we have all these accounts in that period. So when you get around to looking at people like Kehoe taking on the system, you'll see references in there to the silence group. And the silence group, you know, would go after people like Thomas Townsend Brown, who was very vocal, you know, one of these very deep scientists for the government working on some of the most secret aspects. But he developed, you know, NICAP, this whole UFO group. They didn't want anything like that coming out. So uh, one of the things that T.T. Brown's daughter told me is that uh, when they would threaten him around doing these things, he would take his family and they would go to Eleuthera Island in the hot zone and they would be surrounded by kind of machine gun security for a little while until things cooled down and X-Protect went away. So the silence group that Kehoe is getting at is the same piece. What I'm going to read from tonight is a little passage from John Keel in his Mothman uh, prophecy book, but Keel got very close to X-Protect as well, and uh, especially the astral involvement of X-Protect and the whole Men in Black piece, which you know became this kind of popularized token of the whole ufo research world but in fact very literal uh cases over and over again that whole piece brings us right into the x-protect group which holds at the very deepest level the highest secrecy around the ufo file this is a major problem because when you try to play at disclosure with Congress and the UFO file and the UFO defense office and all this kind of stuff looming in the background is this thing. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I think when you, when you get deep on it, once you know that this group exists and you know, they're, they operate in this super secret, uh, function, then you start to look in between that corridor of where the UFO file development programs went after the 50s. And it's funny because it's one of the things that got brought up in Sean Kirkpatrick's uh, op-ed, which I will get to read some of tonight because he was the, you know, the head guy at Arrow, right? The Advanced Anomalous uh, Research Office. That whole thing, and that was brought out by Senator Rubio, Senator Gillibrand, you know, uh, it gives us a fundamental structure for UFO Defense Office Last year, with the Chinese balloon and the Canadian UFO shootdowns and all that nonsense, that gave us the premise of a UFO threat, and it gave us the premise of the COG commander taking over and shooting down, protecting America from those UFOs. And when they asked him point blank, that is General Van Herc, who is the leader of NORTHCOM, who's head up uh, COG, the continuity of government program, which may make a starring appearance in the 2024 election, by the way, 
Um, he said it could be extraterrestrial. Just imagine that under any other circumstances, that is the era that we're in. So we're, <laughs> it's kind of a signal, really, of where everything is at. And 2024 is bound to be packed with exactly that. Before I go any further, Miss Olivia, you're up. Ouch, says, I think DJ needs to clarify what the UFO file really means to the audience. It's not aliens. And Caritas Tarot says, please define for us exactly what is meant by the term UFO file, especially what file means. Yeah, well, I, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you know, everything that they put in there is, you know, the Tesla technology could be a shorthand for that X-Tech. So that's in the UFO file but also the extraterrestrial aspect, because they both are so similar. So, um, you know, take very little examples. You know, a lot of people scream, you know, it's good when we get scientists and physicists involved to, to study the stuff, but it, it, the UFO phenomena is understandable on a very basic, straight-ahead level. We can understand it, or else it's not useful to anybody. When a craft comes down and lands in an area, like a farmer's field, and then that craft leaves. Nothing ever grows there ever again, ever. It's not like it comes back at some point. It's gone. Something about the appearance of that craft has destroyed the ability for, you know, uh, plants matter to grow. Also, animals tend to avoid it. Um, so organic life on Earth somehow when you're dealing with apothium effects from these things, it doesn't jive, whatever it is. And, um, you know, when we go back and we look at things, mm -hmm. we could say, well, radiation might cause this, for example. And um, so when I use the term UFO file, I brought that out as a way to present this as separate from the kind of UFO circus CIA thing. Because the UFO file is not so much something that you, you pick up and lets you know what's there. The UFO file encompasses the entire arena of what they've collected. It's every detail. And um, so the UFO file does not necessarily mean extraterrestrial, but it doesn't exclude extraterrestrial because if it were coming here from an extraterrestrial place and they had it, that's where it would be in the UFO file. Uh, but certainly there are more explanations than just extraterrestrial ones. Interestingly enough, one of those explanations, which these people love and they harp on all the time to a very disturbing degree, is interdimensional. Now, in Congress, you have people talking about this. And uh, I've got a headline here. This is from Breaking Defense, which is about as mainstream a military publication as you can get. Okay. And, um, oh, that's the secret space one, actually. This one is from Fox. <laughs> uh, close encounters of congressional kind. Lawmakers struggle to grasp alleged interdimensional nature of UFOs. What? Why are you even talking about interdimensional nature? Well, it's interesting. Um, something about their original program. They were going to say the threat's coming from above. But I think that it got other countries studying space closer when this information was coming out. And as a result of that, I think they decided to say, oh, whoa, 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 they can actually see our secret space programs. That ain't a good idea. They think they're defending themselves and we've given them the UFO threat. Now, uh, the thing I mentioned about breaking defense, very mainstream in Pentagon reporting. 
DOD completely rewrites classification policy for secret space programs. <laughs> I kid you not. I mean, it's funny because this all comes around if you think about it, because when I did the secret space program conferences and helped set up that whole thing, um, Bobby Inman was, came to one of them and, uh, Bobby Inman, who a number of people would ascribe as the person on a higher tip, a higher level than Mellon and maybe somebody who Mellon would report to, um, absolutely deep, deep engagement on the UFO file, former NSA director, former deputy CIA director, Admiral Inman, uh, deep in that secrecy program. And of course, the famous photo of him giving George Joannides this career accomplishment medal, um, and Joannides being the person who set up the Oswald psychological operation, who nobody even knew who Joannides was until uh, the former Washington Post columnist Jefferson Morley discovered this guy. And then we discovered he was also the person who was in charge of all the 70s committees around the Kennedy stuff to make sure they never got near the UFO aspect involved in all this. Inman was right in the heart of all that. Now, he's in his 90s now. My suggestion, because <laughs> remember, he tried in the late 80s to put some things on the record with some researchers like Timothy Good, for example, saying, you know, yes, we do know who's operating those craft. But then he shut down rather dramatically. And uh, he has resurfaced. A few UFO people have interviewed him, and he's been totally uh, you know, shut down in relation to talking about UFOs. But this guy, under oath, um, you know, that, that would be a real UFO hearing. I'd actually show up for that one, as opposed to the kind of circus now that they have of Tim Burchett going like, whoa, you mean them really UFOs out there? Wow. <laughs> Uh, and Burchett and Luna, that's a very kind of interesting sideshow. None of these people in Congress or the Senate have explained at all why they are so interested in UFOs all of a sudden. Somebody in the back room is saying the UFO wave is coming in. The breakaways are breaking back in with the technology. The industrial train is coming in. Make sure you're a part of it. That's why you see Rubio and Gillibrand, Republicans, Democrats getting together and making UFO defense offices. And, um, that's why you see Mellon involved on the level that he is. Okay. A couple of things, the statement that Grush gave before Congress, and then I'm going to read my notes, uh, from my conversation with him, which was going to turn into an interview, but without that, I'm just going to have to put, uh, some of our notes out there. My name is David Charles Grush. I was an intelligence officer for 14 years, both in the air force at the rank of major and at the national geospatial intelligence agency um, and then he goes on that he, he was his agency's co-lead in the unidentified anomalous phenomenon and transmedium object analysis, UAP task force, and eventually the all domain anomaly resolution office arrow. Uh, I became a whistleblower through a, and he, he mentions this PPD 19 urgent concern filing with the intelligence community through the inspector general. Now, what's interesting is a lot of people who are kind of pro-Grush have said, aha, the inspector general took him on because they believed him about UFOs. No, they just believed, they, they take everything seriously when somebody on the inside says they're getting flack from some other agency and they elect to investigate their claims. It has nothing to do with whether it's about UFOs or not. 
So that's one of those weird things that Corbell is like, yeah, man, you know, the ICIG took him on because they know it's the real thing. You know, they know that he's talking about UFOs. So all that muck that people like Knapp and Corbell is total BS. They're lying through their teeth when they say it. And, uh, and they know that too, but they know that that's what gets them on Fox <laughs> and all the rest. Okay. My testimony is based on information I've been given by individuals in a longstanding track record of legitimate, who have a longstanding uh, track record of legitimacy and service to this country. I've taken every step I can to corroborate the evidence over a period, and I'm moving down through here. I'm driven by a commitment to truth and transparency rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution and protect the American people. In the United States Air Force, in my NRO reservist capacity, I was a member of the UAP task force. Uh, in 2019, the UAP task force director asked me to identify all special access programs and controlled access programs to satisfy our congressionally mandated mission. Now, um, I have suffered retaliation for my decision, but I'm hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead to positive outcome and increased transparency. Um, so he said, I've made the decision based on the data to report this information to my superiors. And then this is where we got into this situation. Now he says, um, it is with a heavy heart and determined spirit that I stand under oath before you today, having made the decision based on the data I collected and reported to provide the information to the committee. I am driven by this duty to a conviction to expose what I viewed as a grave congressional oversight issue. This endeavor was not born out of malice or dissatisfaction. And he goes on to say he wants to uphold the Constitution. Now, if Mellon is directing who you can talk to, I would say that's actually, given what you're saying here, a violation of the Constitution. So you're going to have to look at yourself if you're Grush the whistleblower and say, oh, this guy over here is controlling disclosure. He's controlling me and what I can say. Maybe, you know, I should throw this out. So if this was true, if the statement that he gave before Congress was, I did all this because I'm an upstanding guy who wants real transparency, but then he comes out of that and Chris Mellon directs him where he can go. And then we find out that Chris Mellon massaged the whole thing in the beginning. And um, some of the, the things that he said to me about Elizondo managing him early on, uh, none of that holds with the congressional testimony. So, you know, it seems like that's where the real paradox is in all of this and the contradiction, which is that Grush is grandstanding that he's following the constitution and all the rest, but he's a puppet for Christopher Mellon. So, you know, you're going to have to choose to be one or the other. Either you follow the constitution and you're a free person who can do what you want, or you're Chris Mellon's puppet. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. So uh, in that spirit of following the Constitution and getting to the transparency that Grush is talking about here, I'm going to get to some notes about our conversation and get those to you. They've never been heard anywhere, and um, I want to put these on the record because they go right to the heart of what we're talking about here with Chris Mellon's marionette playing puppeteer show of false CIA UFO disclosure versus the real thing, which we can get to and is important to get to. Everyone, you're watching The Dark Journalist Show Whew, the UFO file puppet show and X-Protect games, Christopher Mellon, David Grush, and the whole CIA sideshow. We're going to be uh, taking your questions here very shortly. I'm going to read these notes. We'll go right to it. Before I do, 
Miss Olivia, you're up. Radboy Genius says, since Mellon has taken it upon himself to control the disclosure narrative every step of the way, it's no mystery why he wouldn't want his people on DJ's show. Yeah. Ouch says, so he's not a whistleblower, he's controlled, which means he's useless. And Amarillo Gunrunner says, DJ, UFO disclosure, what do you really think it's for? Control or tax dollars? Well, there's a lot of things. Look, um, huh. There are a lot of unusual things related to UFO disclosures. No question about it. I never said it was an easy uh, <laughs> process. The problem is a very small group is um, in possession of very dangerous uh, technology. And they're operating under a separate science. And as a result of that secret system, which operates as part of the continuity of government program on one hand and with a secret space operation on the other in the middle of that is this ufo file which was within the grasp of the executive branch at a certain point and uh, it's president kennedy who is writing letters to the air force in 1958 i've i've shown this on the program before and uh he's saying look you know what what's going on why aren't we getting the real records like what, what is it that you're holding back and he gets almost furious responses from these people who are like senator we're not holding anything back and i object to the language and blah 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 that's kennedy 1958 before he assumes the presidency senator kennedy is already very well informed on the ufo file and we've gone through the piece uh, relating to kennedy and forrestal in my blue enigma special um which i highly recommend one of the things you have to remember when it gets to Kennedy is Kennedy is the last place in government where the central intelligence agency's power is challenged. So um, their complete dominance over the culture since, and remember that agency really, it's, it's their position as part of the deep state that Professor Peter Dale Scott gave us that helps us to understand the levels of power. So, um, the connection of the Central Intelligence Agency through Sullivan and Cromwell, which is where it was formed, and by the lawyer, Alan Dulles, um, that's the connection to international finance. And so it put all of American resources and military might and intelligence power at the behest of this in international finance system. That's why we find ourselves in this bind when it comes to secrecy, transparency, and all the rest, because when you get to 1947, you're at a real heavy pivot point. Certainly there are earlier encounters with the UFO file, no question, but it became a fully developed, realized program during that era. And it is that era where the CIA, through the National Security Act, gets created. So um, when you put those facts together, what you realize is since uh, 60 years ago and the assassination of President Kennedy, we have not had uh, a very even split between the covert hidden government and the public overt ruling government. Uh, so the covert government came in and took over the public government and then receded back and things acted the same on the surface, but something very strange had taken place. That's also being held back inside the government and we've explored it on this show, including the fact that everyone knows that those records are going to show that the CIA is involved. But there are other things in there. And some of those other things, I think, uh, create a very, very hot situation, hot under the collar situation for anyone involved in the intelligence game. 
because it's going to show that the people involved at that point with the ex-protect group assassinated their own president to keep their secrecy around the exotic UFO technology. That's a big one. <laughs> you try explaining that. That's not like, you know, we made a deal with the mafia and, you know, they got away with it. That is, we utilized all these things and covered up autopsies and, you know, instructed the media to go to sleep and, you know, there are witness assassinations. Um, you know, that's, that is a whole reform in government. So it is interesting, you know, uh, just as an aside out there on the campaign trail, just before it was during Iowa, actually, it was the, the night when Trump won huge, but just before that Vivek, uh, Vivek gave a speech and he starts talking all about transparency around the UFO file. This was very interesting speech. And it was the kind of speech that I want to hear from Bobby Kennedy and Trump. But interestingly enough, uh, it was Vivek who got there first with it. He drops out of the race and shows up promoting Trump in New Hampshire, which is great. That's good that he's on board. But then Trump that night starts talking about Uncle John and how Uncle John was had the longest, you know, he had the longest career at MIT. And uh, the things about Uncle John that are so, so important that we've covered on this program was his access to the UFO file and his access to the, te he's, he's kind of a double threat because there he is, the protege of Vannevar Bush on one hand who controls the UFO file. And on the other hand, Vannevar Bush sends him in to study the Tesla papers when Tesla dies in 1943. So he, he has both of those as a signature and goes on to very, very secret work in the government dealing with space and microwaves um, and the DeGraff devices and all these types of things. So um, Trump hinting again, Trump putting it in there in the center of his campaign, Uncle John, there's no reason for it to be there. <laughs> you might mention him once in a while, but whenever things get hot with Trump, watch out. Uncle John shows up. For me, that's direct messaging by President Trump saying, I I'm still have access to it and I will use it. Uh, you know, I still have access to that information and don't forget it. Basically, it's still a part of this campaign. For me, this is this gets to a very interesting core aspect of what we're looking at in terms of why you had to peel the establishment off the ceiling when dealing with President Trump. Uh, doesn't make sense from an oppositional level. And I've watched some of the dirtiest back and forth and rivalries, you know, all the way back to Kennedy and Nixon. I've, no one's ever seen anything like the opposition to President Trump. And some people can, you know, take him or leave him. That's fine. But we have to admit that the opposition has been on a very different level. Well, the problem is that deep state, when they sit across the power table, they're looking at someone who has the same level of information about certain things that they do. And that's a very big problem for them. They don't want that kind of competition. So Uncle John is Trump's little signature to let them know, yeah, yeah, this is what we're talking about. And uh, I think the fact that he brought him up as soon as Vivek joined him up there and Vivek was spouting his head off about the UFO file, why not? It should be right in the heart of the 2024 campaign. And um, people like Kennedy, who have the direct family connection, leaving it out, it's a great oversight, a tremendous oversight, um, which might actually make that campaign seem 
a lot less transparent than it should be. Um, and that was Trump with his big victory in Iowa. There he is speaking in New Hampshire, headed to a large victory in the primary there that they try to make sure didn't happen. And, um, you know, they tr they'd rather see the guy in jail. So think of that what you will, but I think it's very, very telling. Everyone you're watching The Dark Journalist Show, the Grush Notes are coming up next, and then your questions. This is UFO File Puppet Show, Expertech Games. Whew, the puppet activity is going deep here tonight. Miss Olivia, you're up. Cece, uh, did JFK get his interest from his father, Why Space and UFOs as senator, and Scruples 4444, uh, do you think that Uncle John has slash had copies of the Tesla files Trump can use to avoid getting, quote, taken care of? Um, I think that Trump's uncle shared UFO file information and Tesla secret information with his nephew. They were close. And some of the hints of that is that uh, Trump will say, you know, Uncle John told me all kinds of things. He told me about nuclear before nuclear, you know. Um, the fact that he's already relating that Uncle John was sharing secrets. And then if you go into Uncle John, we've brought him forward as a pivotal figure in history. He was really hanging out there before we brought him forward. And it was funny because I still remember this conversation I had when we put, had put out an episode called Tesla, Trump, and the Time Capsule, which is still the top episode for the X series. And the History Channel got in touch with me and they were all, you know, we really need to talk to you. This is breakthrough, you know. And so they, you know, they vacuumed up my brain cells for about three hours <laughs> in this conversation. And uh, then they ran their own really bad version of uh, the Tesla files is what they called the show. And, you know, they, they screwed up so many things and they lost the plot about John Trump completely. And what they wanted to do, you know, was have a lot of those television moments as the history channel will do. And it was like, Oh, does that mean his uncle knew about Tesla, you know, and they, they'd have the faces looking back and forth. It's like, yeah, you didn't need to, you know, they, they showed the guy going into this library and finding the details. It's like, no, they just called me up on the phone and got that. <laughs> Cause I just did a four hour episode about it. And I see that kind of rip off all the time. I see it of Gigi Young's material. I see it of Farrell stuff, this show, forget it. Those people are, you know, reaping the intellectual whirlwind of the information that we put out there. Make no mistake about it. But um, yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I'll never forget that call. And um, I've had a few experiences with TV like that. And to be honest with you, you know, we reach hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> with this show. And very often, I think, you know, we're already on that uh, cutting edge in terms of reaching people that we want to. And uh, the TV thing, unless it's done really, really well, then it's not even worth being a part of you know, and, uh, certainly not the TMZ special <laughs> with the jellyfish, which I said should have been called, uh, Corbell yelling in his shorts at an iMac, you know, cause that's what three quarters of it was. And, um, it, it's weird too, because, um, you know, TMZ, I mean, who, who's going to, should we take them seriously on the UFO file? They're like the Kardashian station, right? <laughs> Get real. All right. From Kardashian to UFO whistleblower. So remember who we're talking about here is our friend Christopher Mellon. And um, Mellon, of course, 
gave us the first false UFO blast from 2017. And um, that's Jim Semivan, top directorate in the CIA in Elizondo with him. They're getting together to do that op, and they did it. They did it. Um, but there were there were a couple of sloppy things <laughs> done in there that kind of ruined what the effect was to be, as it turns out. So the next wave of all this was our friend Grush. And, um, you know, I think the control over Grush and the nature of that relationship um, is going to give us a lot of information. But remember the history that we gave you of Mellon tonight back there with William Cohen and um, the Stargate projects, the mayor of Area 51, all that stuff. Uh, this guy has been deep, deep in it. And, you know, he's looking to put forward the Intel version of the UFO file disclosure. That's the problem. It's not a real version. This is the nature of the problem. Okay, are you ready, Miss Olivia, for quotes uh, or for the story of, and my notes rather, of my conversation with Grush. I'm so ready. <laughs> it's kind of like my dinner with Andre, <laughs> but it's my phone call with Grush. And uh, like I said, I don't, you know, I don't dislike Grush or anything like that. I just think he's caught up in a maelstrom of uh, intelligence activity. All right, this is interesting. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. John Warner made a comment on uh, our last video, and uh, we're in touch a lot. He's he's going to be coming back on the program shortly, but. Um, he says, Jim Semivan might be above Mellon in the pecking order. The question is, who gives Jim his marching orders? Admiral Inman, question mark, who we pointed out earlier. Um, that is John Warner asking the questions that need to be asked. That's the kind of potent piece around the UFO file I'm talking about. And um, also the fact that uh, Mellon got the NRO gold medal and Grush comes out of the Thing might suggest that whole thing was happening very early on. Um, and the only other piece that I want to mention here is that Anna Paluna Luna, <laughs> who is the congressional rep from Florida, has been deep, deep all over this, you know, let's get crushed before Congress thing. And they have new hearings coming up. She says, um, Anna Paluna Luna wants to find out what the U.S. government knows about interdimensional UFOs. Here's the interdimensional piece again. And she says, there's a movement to prevent us from finding out more information on this. And um, she went on to say, Grush never said extraterrestrial. He said interdimensional. Okay, so they're all basing this off of Grush. There's Luna giving her two cents on it. Now, interestingly enough, um, Grush did, in fact, say extraterrestrial. So um, they have a problem there, again, with how this thing is being rolled out. So, you know, these are the, this is the kind of two-step that I see very often involved around the UFO piece when it comes to Grush, which is, you know, is it 2017 and the New York Times article where you discovered an interest in UFOs, like you told me? Or was it 15 years before 2021, like you told the DOD IG? which would make it 2006. Was it extraterrestrial stuff? Was it interdimensional stuff? Why are all these things changing? That doesn't, you know, you're an intelligence officer if you're Grush. You're not going to 
mess with those facts. You're going to know them. They're going to be locked in. You're like a mathematician. You're not going to make those kinds of mistakes because when you're in Intel, those are life or death type facts. So something is a little bit amiss with what Grush has been putting out there. Uh, and I think people have found those inconsistencies. What they mean is another story. Um, and it seems to me that somebody somewhere is trying to craft what he's saying into something else. So that if there were early versions of it, they want to erase those and get onto this other thing. But um, let's, let's get into kind of a, a few things here in relation to Grush. First of all, a government UFO whistleblower claims he gave secret presentation to CIA FBI officials. UFO whistleblower, former intelligence officer David Grush, claims he had secret talks with Wall Street bigwigs and the CIA in Manhattan. Uh, Grush has been the center of attention around UFOs and all the rest of it. This is what happened, as I mentioned, after our conversation. He went and did this, which was very contrary to what he was telling me <laughs> that he was up to with his activities. So... I'm going to read some of my notes from the conversation. These have not, I've never put these out yet. So this should be, you know, kind of your David Grush scoop if you're following the story. And then we'll get to your questions in the second half of the program. You're watching the Dark Journalist UFO File, UFO Puppet Show, and uh, Expertech Games. Here we go. David Grush notes. Okay. Um, thoughts on. Mellon and Lou. They're riding my coattails. That's what he thinks of these guys. Um, my question was, can you separate yourself from the Mellon Lou op? And the answer was, there's second and third order effects to coming on your show. I admire your work, but it has some other, it may have some other implications in the long term if I come on your show. Then this. Jake Sullivan, who's a national security advisor for Biden, will be like, he's defecting to a team we absolutely cannot have anything to do with. I try to think extremely strategically. This is Grush. But coming on your show... My question is, what segments am I potentially pissing off? I'd like to have more conversations on these subjects. Um, I asked a question about Kirkpatrick because, you know, Kirkpatrick had contradicted him on a couple of things. Kirkpatrick was the lead person of Arrow, who recently wrote this op-ed. By the way, Grush is coming out with an op-ed, so we may learn more. When uh, Kirkpatrick was asked about Grush, the question was, um, David Grush, the whistleblower who came forward to News Nation, says he's reached out to you to share his discoveries, and you didn't follow up. So did you follow up and investigate his claims? He still claims he still hasn't heard from you. So ultimately, why haven't you two connected? Kirkpatrick, Mr. Grush, since Arrow has stood up and since I've been director, has not come to see us and provided any information. Uh, question. He also says that he briefed you before you assumed your position in Arrow. Have you had the chance to follow up on any of the inquiries that he made or talk to any of his witnesses? Kirkpatrick, 
The last time I believe I spoke with Mr. Grush was when I was in the J-2 at Space Command about five years ago. And it was not on this topic. Now we have interviewed a whole range of people. I think we've interviewed most of the people that he may have talked to. And we have an extended, an inv uh, we've extended an invitation four or five times now for him to come in over the last eight months or so, and it has been declined. So there's something wrong here. Kirkpatrick is saying Grush never showed and all the rest and hasn't showed any interest in Arrow and all the rest and that he hasn't talked to him in five years. Grush told me that they talk all the time. So there's something weird again. There's a two-step there that needs to be cleared up. Somebody is obviously not telling the truth. But let's keep going. This is what he said. I've known Kirkpatrick for years. We had a man drama. He has his own faction. Um, and uh, he said, by the way, a, a, an Intel service is collecting our conversation right now. And then later he'll go on to say another one is. So <laughs> I laughed it off and said, I'm sure that they are. And he said, I'm not joking. Okay. Um, he, I said, anything else about Kirkpatrick? He said, I routinely talk to him. Well, it's either he talked to him five years ago or he routinely talks to him. Kirkpatrick lying? Maybe. All right. Um, so we talked about scheduling another call, and I revisited the idea of him coming on the show and separating himself from the op, Mellon's team's op. And I think Mellon team is kind of the good code word for this. This is Grush. It's a concern if I ever appear on your show in the very near future. I do worry about angering Chris Mellon and powerful families like the Mellons. I don't want collateral damage coming my way. How much more blatant can you get than that? Uh, the Mellon family, you know, I don't want to get nasty signals from the Mellon family saying they didn't appreciate that. I don't want to shake that bee's nest. So this guy wants UFO disclosure, but he's afraid of Chris Mellon and the Mellon banking family appearing on the Dark Journalist show to answer tough questions for a change. So um, Grush is telling us that Chris Mellon is running his show. So this guy who's taken on the world, wants to go through, you know, honor the Constitution, Chris Mellon tells him what to do. And the Mellon banking family might blow back at him. What's that all about? What do they have to do at, with anything about UFO disclosure? Well, it's interesting, and they're not the only one, of course, you know, the Rockefellers and others, but um, John Warner has put on the record here, you know, his grandfather's relationship to it. He's been honest and come forward on this. And uh, here we have Grush, and the thing that was holding him up and all of these things was related directly to the Mellon family. Okay. I don't want to shake the bee's nest. Then I said, well, in relation to the op, and he said, well, uh, the last thing I want is opposition from Chris and Lou. I'm not trying to conceal anything, but I'm concerned about them. So Chris and Lou are playing block on this guy who claims he's a UFO whistleblower. Grush is sitting there for hours telling me 
He could tell me all this stuff. You know, there's all these exciting things. He's made all these breakthroughs. He learned a lot from being on the show, but he can't come on the show because of Chris Mellon, the Mellon banking family and Lou Elizondo. Um, and, uh, he said, I mentioned something about Chris and Lou and he said, I share your sentiments about them. So what he's telling me is that he understands who they are and the nature of the Mellon team op, but that he can't, as a matter of his own uh, piece, go up against them because they'll basically blow back with nasty signals and a bee's nest and all the rest. What does that tell you about the state of UFO disclosure? And this guy going before Congress as the UFO whistleblower, scared to death of the Mellon banking family to come on this show. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's the irony is unbelievable in my opinion. And if this is someone who's trying to get a genuine story out, then it's even worse because we're really looking at Mellon saying, Oh, I can't let this guy, you know, really get in a corner and answer some tough questions about what he was doing, uncovering the UFO file or his relationship to me or whatever it happens to be. So Mellon has to answer for this. There's no way around it. I've put it on the record. He said, you know, he was afraid to do this, couldn't come on the show. I've come back and say, well, you know, I'm putting it on the record that he, he is afraid of Mellon and that Mellon's controlling UFO disclosure. This, this is not going to go away. There's no way to get around this. The UFO field, there can't be congressional hearings and all this other junk. This guy is controlling the whistleblower. This guy is from the DOD. This guy's inside, and he obviously has some kind of connection to Expertech in there, deep, deep in the program. And he's into obfuscation, and he's into control, and he comes from the Mellon banking family. So, uh, you know, we have other people connected to the Mellon banking family are coming from a totally different place. Like Warner, who's put this stuff on the record, is looking for the real disclosure. So it's not to say everyone in those families is like that, but Mellon has the power and ability to make this whistleblower into a puppet. I'm not okay with that. And I don't think anyone who's trying to uphold the constitution in his constitutional congressional testimony should be okay with it either. You know, you're a free person. So, you know, I've already hit your bee's nest. <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, you know, all I'm trying to do is get an open, honest conversation about these things. Why should Chris Mellon be in the middle of this conversation? Why is he the manager of disclosure? These are the questions. They can't be avoided. There's no way this whole field can go anywhere with this one guy who's a billionaire, you know, using the puppet strings in the background and his DOD connections that go all the way back to William Cohen and Rockefeller. You know, it doesn't wash. It does not wash as any kind of real, uh, UFO whistleblower situation. Let's get real. Final thoughts on this. Um, this is Grush. I wish from day one there was no association. Lou and Chris were never going to discuss crash retrievals. They hitched their wagons to it. What he was saying was when he came out with this, which he felt was a much deeper disclosure, that they basically latched on to what he was doing. So they had groomed him to a certain place. He let out more, and then they co-opted what he was trying to do. Um, and uh, just a couple of interesting notes for people who've pointed out, you know, well, how did Grush come across things? This is what he said. I was going to talk to you sooner when I was in government. 
Um, but I would have got slapped on the wrist by security. And that's probably true because, you know, you talk to any journalist in when you're in a secret sensitive position in government, you're obviously freer when you get out of government. Um, and I, what I think is maybe one of the wildest things in the whole discussion. <laughs> and, uh, I think that this is good to put out there because I, I think that Musk has been hiding out a lot in relation to the UFO file and really pushing the X thing and, and, uh, hiding behind the SpaceX DARPA piece when it comes to space and the secret space program. This is something that Grice said, I don't know how he knows or, or how, but he said, I know Elon's friends privately. Elon Musk is very into UFOs. Well, that, <laughs> that might've been the ultimate thing to follow up on in our conversation. Um, so, you know, let's talk in the next week or two. That's where we left it before things spun awry. Those are my notes from our deep conversation. And, uh, I know, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we had in our conversation that I wouldn't put out there because they're private details or whatever, but those things were very important to put on the record. Miss Olivia, as far as I'm concerned, that whistleblower situation and melon control needs to be investigated and it needs to be completely everyone let me tell you, in terms of UFO transparency, there's no way we can have hearings and, you know, talk to Burchett and Luna and all those people. This guy, Mellon, is controlling the whole thing. And he's got the whistleblower by puppet strings. You know, there's no way around it. So that's where things stand in relation to them. And it is a blockbuster. But the kind of blockbuster I wanted to bring you was Grush talking about it himself and putting these things on the record. Instead, what we got was... He's back there, you know, afraid of blowback from Mellon and the Mellon banking family for disclosing things about UFOs. This is a strange situation, and it shows the weird intersection, again, of high finance with exotic technology that forms the heart of the ex-steganography series that we do here. This is the thing that needs to be got at when we have those dots that connect and they crisscross. And in relation to all this, I think I've, as I've just laid it out, and there's more here, but I think that that pretty much captures the moment. Um, you know, there's there's no way around it. There's a whistleblower who's being controlled by a DOD Intel official who comes from a billionaire banking family. I mean, that's not UFO disclosure. That is the worst kind of situation. And if this guy has real things to put on the record, then like I said, it's it's twice as bad. And uh, so I think the Grush should get a chance to put things on the record. And I think that Chris Mellon should be smoked out for doing this. And with that, Miss Olivia, you're up with your questions. This is pretty punk rock. <laughs> and I'm okay. a little nervous. Oh, no, no, just responding to you, what you just read. Um, Let me so, tell you, that, mm -hmm. that's, that's literally just the kind of frill on top from the conversation. I mean, the, the, the conversation, you know, there's a lot in there about it. And the only thing that I want to put on the record is that Mellon is controlling Grush. And uh, that's an intolerable situation, I think, as far as the UFO file is concerned. And that has to be opened up and explored. And that whole thing is out there now. He has the ability to do it. And uh, so if Grush has time and can stop showing up at you know, Manhattan soirees with the CIA, then yeah. <laughs> and Mellon, you know, Mellon can come down from the ivory tower and address everything I've said. He can address it on this program. He's welcome anytime. I can have him on one side and John Warner on the other. We can all have a friendly gentleman's debate anytime. 
just mention it. That would be much better than some flush fluff show with Joe Rogan sitting there, you know, and not knowing the subject matter well enough to ask the right questions. That's the kind of thing, this is the potency that we can reach for in the middle of all this. And in an election year, it's more crucial than ever. But what I'm hearing and the things I hear in the background about the UFO sessions that they're setting up and all the rest, it's all going to be, you know, a circus show if this isn't addressed. Because if Mellon's behind it all, what is it worth? You know, Corbell Jellyfish, he's going to sit there and grandstand, you know, and Grush is going to go on the record, but he's, you know, he's going to be held back. And uh, Chris Mellon is going to be controlling things behind the scenes with TTSA part two, Lou Elizondo part 20. That's not UFO disclosure. So if the whole thing's going to be real and it's going to be potent, this is what we put on the record. Here we are, you know, deal with it, deal with reality. And uh, that's the nature of, of it all, <laughs> including the fact that Musk is into UFOs. Mm -hmm. That, I think he needs to answer for that. But of course, I don't know where Grush got that. So, you know, <laughs> there's no deep info on that one. But I, it is interesting because I've always felt that, um, you know, that whole thing with Elon and UFOs is just DARPA saying you can't talk about it, you know. But go ahead. I'm Not Dead Yet says either being paid or threatened. Jay Cameron says uh, David Grush is trying to plant the hook in DJ. And I'm saying I think Grush, the Grush call was to eliminate DJ as a public threat by creating a behind-the-scenes relationship, creating sympathy, doling out supposed secrets, manipulation, period. Yeah, well, you never know. What I do with people when they try to come to me with information is take them seriously. So, um, you know, I will literally listen to anyone and take them seriously who is coming to me from a place of saying, I need, want to share this information with you. Now, obviously I'm going to, you know, get into tough questions with them. And, uh, when it comes to the UFO part and around secrecy and all the rest of it, well, see, my thing is I've studied the deep state on one side and I've studied the UFO file on the other. The problem is that all the whistleblowers and all the people that they've run through from the intelligence agencies go through the lightweight <laughs> UFO shoot which is all about entertainment and, you know, um, false heroics. You know, hey, we're reaching that disclosure and Tom DeLong made it happen. You know, weird, crazy stuff like that. So I think the school of thought I come from is all about the deep state research of like Professor Scott and others. And um, the things that they do is they study to see whose interests are involved. So if, for example, in the Kennedy assassination, there's a long list of incredible researchers. And what they try to study was who benefits. So when you do that in the UFO field, um, everyone freaks out and they're like, oh my God, you know, you're so negative. How dare you ask a real question? We want to believe in the jellyfish balloon, you know? Um, so, but those aren't, not real people. Real people want to know the answers there's a protective shield. Even when I did uh, release information about the Grush call last week, that Mellon team sent out things that were meant to uh, discredit the idea. They couldn't go after the claims, but they were trying to discredit the idea because they could figure, well, if people just don't pay attention in the first place, we're all set. Um, but I think that the whole thing made them very uncomfortable and I'm glad because I don't think that they should be shoving a false UFO narrative down the American public's throat, especially not through Congress. 
So if this guy has something to say, good. I'll, I'll withhold judgment on Grush and what he's saying. But the people who are manipulating him in the back are obvious from his conversation with me. There's no getting around it. And when you look at Mellon and the operative role he's played in the background, the mayor of Area 51, um, then it, the whole thing starts to ring. It starts to make a lot more sense. John Warner's conversations with me about Chris really start to open things up. And then we start to realize, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, you've got the deep state and big money sitting right in the middle of this thing. Big money and intel. And they are controlling the weight of UFO disclosure. And you have lightweights, you know, in the skating rink of UFO disclosure and all the people that are supposed to be exposing this, you know, going along with it because they're like, hey, the ship has come in for UFO disclosure. But uh, the deep state researchers, if they were looking at this, would be aghast at the lack of scholarship involved in the UFO field. So one big advantage the UFO field has is that they know there's a UFO file. <laughs> And the deep state uh, researchers, they don't want to touch the area of UFO investigation because it's loaded with a lot of bozos who don't go deep and are just, you know, looking for hype like Corbell. I mean, can you imagine putting Corbell in a real debate situation? <laughs> and, uh, you know, whatever. I, I hope he learns things and does well. I'm, it's not even him, but it's that whole kind of movement of phony, uh, false UFO disclosure. My point is that you can get to the real thing and you can get real government movement as well. You don't need the CIA. That's the last place you want to go. So, yeah. Nana says, so what was Grush selling in New York this week? A new engine, a new power source, or more hearsay? Mm. Well, remember that the people who were running it, one of them uh, had been associated like I said, with Anna Chapman, but it was a really high-powered uh, Manhattan attorney with a lot of political connections. And the other one was the, uh, you know, the main man for Coinbase, like top-notch, you know, the whole thing about cryptocurrency, this guy is it. So um, in that room, someone sent me a figure of the collected wealth in that room, and it was skyrocketed. It was something like $500 billion in that room. So you have the richest people on earth, you have the intelligence agencies, Homeland Security, which in my opinion, there are aspects of Homeland Security, which just to exist as an agency is illegal. <laughs> the Central Intelligence Agency is completely extra-constitutional, not envisioned anywhere in the Constitution, created out of thin air, as it were. Um, but Homeland Security, really, you know, just this thing in NORTHCOM, completely unconstitutional. NORTHCOM didn't exist. So the whole COG apparatus was put into place after 9-11. Those were the people running the soiree. And uh, that's where Grush, you know, was coming out and doing his thing. After talking to me and making signals like, oh, I'm going to get away from the op, he, you know, doubles down and goes into that. So I'm not participating with him in that. If that's the direction that he goes in, I don't, I don't never want another discussion with him. If he's on a different track and if, if he wants to throw out the whole melon op, you know, and uh, if he's the person who said, oh, I've been in the ideas room watching your show and all that stuff, you know, that guy would never participate in that stuff. So again, with Grosh, it's, it's a weird thing. And you can never, you can never tell what's going on in a person's head. You know, that's up to them. And it's between them and God. 
but I'll tell you, it doesn't, it does not add up. And, um, for me, if I had sensitive information about the UFO file, I understand there's a lot of considerations, et cetera, but I wouldn't be anywhere near the melons and the loons of the world, regardless of how much money was involved because of the baggage of their lying in public. Very simple. Uh, they're not credible sources. And, you know, when I came out and did that, it was almost like a lone voice. Then the drumbeat started, you know, uh, Greenwald started to realize, oh, these guys are full of it. The New York Post and Green Street, you know, he did a lot of things. And all the UFO researchers at that point had a, a chance to be like, yeah, TTSA was a fraud. Mellon came in here with a bunch of CIA people. It was a fake. Instead, Nick Pope, Dolan, Knapp all la lapped it up and loved it up. And that's to their discredit because they could have been, you know, upstanding people about it. And I've gone off enough about them. I'm actually not even interested in other researchers and how they've responded to this. It's up to them at the end of the day. But what I will say is that there's, there was nothing in that UFO field that was substantive against that. So this is the nature of that. You have a chance to move it in a totally different direction. And I think the UFO file research is it. That gets you away from the circus. The first rule in UFO file research is no CIA. That's rule number one. You start there. <laughs> Everyone, you're watching the Dark Journalist Show. This is UFO File Puppet Show, X-Protect Games. Whew, deep tonight with uh, UFO whistleblower David Grush, who um, you know put some things on the record there with Congress and uh, did some reaching out. So I went into the background of that tonight. We're taking your questions, and we'll take a few more questions tonight and call it a night on our special report um, the, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention when I mentioned that Cohen, William Cohen, the former defense secretary, who was, um, the mentor for Christopher Mellon, um, you know, and this is interesting. He's on the record talking. He's one of the only public officials who's on the record talking about weather warfare. Well, I have the quote from his congressional testimony that I wanted to read so that we understand the impact of this guy. Um, on April 28th, 1997, U.S. Defense Secretary, Senator, uh, Secretary William Cohen made the following statement, quote, others are engaging even in eco-type terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes and volcanoes remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. So there are plenty of ingenious minds out there that are at work finding ways in which they can wreak terror upon other nations. It's real, and that's the reason why we have to intensify our efforts. Now remember, Defense Secretary Cohen was a big supporter of Project Stargate, UFO file research, and all the rest of it. This guy knew a great deal, and he was Mellon's mentor. So, you know, Mellon in the business, picking up from him and then working for Rockefeller, you know, then being at a very secret Intel level, number three man in Intel for uh, Clinton and Bush. This guy knows, has all those deep state connections. And his statement in 2016, um, I think is, is very compelling. Here's what Christopher Mellon said in 2016. And I want us to really hone in on the hypocrisy of this when you 
remember that this guy is supposed to be the leader of UFO disclosure. Are you ready? <laughs> this is a quote, and it's in a Leslie Kane article, too. 2016. Mellon stated, quote, I highly doubt DOD or any other government agency is concealing UFO information. I participated in a comprehensive review of DOD's black programs and spent over a decade conducting oversight of the National Foreign Intelligence Program, an almost totally separate world of secrets. I visited Area 51 and other military intelligence and research facilities during all those years I never detected the faintest hint of government interest or involvement in UFOs. Quote, I never detected the faintest hint of government interest or involvement in UFOs. That's the same Chris Mellon. Uh, and he goes on to say, well, a few previously overlooked documents might turn up. Bureaucracy is never perfect. I do not believe they would resolve the UFO issue or provide any significant new insights. Uh, I can think of one lengthy UFO report that's classified only due to concerns over sources and methods. In fact, it identified a convincing conventional explanation for the pilot's sighting. In this particular case, there's lots of classified documents related to activities at Area 51 where high security is needed, but this is an all legitimate stuff the American people would support. They have nothing to do with UFOs. Christopher Mellon. One year later, CIA semivan, Tom DeLong, Lou Elizondo, the circus. Six years after that, Grush Circus. But then Grush in the middle of all this contacts me. And then I put it on the line. And then he says, oh, I'm afraid of Chris Mellon. This is the crisscross. So what was Mellon doing back in 2016 that he did not want this out? That's going to be a very important point for us to follow up on. And, uh, you know, I've made it clear, too, that the CIA themselves went on the record and said, oh, you know, all those CIA, like all that UFO activity from the 50s and 60s, <laughs> that was us, you know. So they did a whole 1997 interview with the New York Times and said, UFO file is nothing. We created it, you know. Now they want it for something else. Starting in 2017, they wanted it for something else. That's a pretty huge sea change. It is turning around a gigantic aircraft carrier. But what was the change? This is the big key. Miss Olivia, the last question of the night. What do you got? Well, does it, I wasn't prepared for the last question. <laughs> um, I did want to say this. So Kate says, Gary Nolan was bragging about, quote, big money a few months ago for the UFO, quote, charity. Oh, that's true. And Lightseeker says, what do you think the deal is behind the Soul Foundation? Um, well, I'm not familiar enough with it. All I can tell you is it seems like a front group for collecting money under this umbrella of UAP technology. One of the things that I will say <laughs> about... Gary Nolan, Gary Nolan has, has interesting things, lots and lots of interesting things. One is, uh, you know, he's a Stanford professor and he claims to be a uh, contactee from when he was a kid, but he's, he's worked extensively uh, for the last decade with the CIA and um, he's friends with Anthony Fauci. And I pointed that out in the last program. I've, I've pointed this out before. And people have had a hard time believing it because there's a cognitive dissonance thing going on where they want to support UFO disclosure, but they don't support, you know, 
Dr. Death. So it was a weird thing for people to get through. Um, now, one of the things that's interesting about Nolan is he put together this foundation and he said, I'm not just talking about taking like, you know, small donations, like 50 grand. I'm talking about big money. <laughs> and um, when you start thinking like that and you're on like a science investigation of UFOs, it's probably a bad, bad thing. And he was at uh, the SALT thing, which is all about investment capital, you know? So he was on an investment stage talking about getting big money. Um, I'm not against people getting big money for doing good work, uh, but you have to be careful about that influence and what it would be used for. It's like any situation. The UFO thing is no different. Um, I had a quote here about intelligence people that I think applies to the situation that we're in. And uh, let's remember, of course, Mellon was deep, deep in the first round of this banana nonsense. Um, and of course, this was Grush at the CIA uh, billionaire soiree. Uh, this is interesting. David Talbot wrote a couple of wonderful books. One of them was The Devil's Chessboard, which was all about Alan Dulles. And he studied all the quotes of these different intel people. So he gets to an Angleton quote. And remember, Angleton and Dulles were very involved in the Kennedy assassination. So um, here's a quote from Angleton about basically why they got, you know, such a blast of power out of being intelligence people. And he said, fundamentally, the founding fathers of U.S. intelligence were liars. The better you lied and the more you betrayed, the more likely you were to be promoted. Outside of their duplicity, the only thing they had in common was absolute powers. I did things that, in looking back on my life, I regret, but I was part of it, and I loved being in it. This is how they think. This is how the Expertech group thinks. So they're kind of an absolute authority, you know. Uh, another thing I think was important was some people worked deep in the CIA, said that there's an understanding in there that there is no truth. They basically invent truth. So there's no fundamental objective truth for them. Uh, but I think this quote by Angleton really gives us the nature of the problem, which is the better you lied, the more you betrayed, the more likely you were to be promoted. Um, this is the nature of the thing. The bigger the lie, the bigger, you know, of a hotshot you become in those circles. That's the nature of the problem. Everyone you're watching, the Dark Journalist Show, whoo, UFO file puppet show, Expertech Games went deep, deep tonight into DOD official Mellon Banking, uh, family banking there, Christopher Mellon, and um, he's welcome to come on this show and explain any of the stuff I brought up tonight. Tom DeLong says, Chris Mellon hails his name from the legendary American industrialist family who owned Gulf Oil, Mellon Bank, Carnegie Mellon University, and many other famous institutions. He's a longtime career working on national security matters for the U.S. government. His work continues to this day for the intelligence community. Uh, and he is the chairman of the To the Stars National Security Policy and Scientific Advisory Board, working on TTS as TTSA's main liaison to the White House, the Hill, and the Pentagon, 
He's been so successful on TTSA background operations in the last few weeks. We will all witness his work echo for years to come. That's from 2018. So that's where they were going with our friend Mellon. And uh, now there's a lot of questions and a lot of explaining to do. And these people probably are going to think that they can just hide behind the like, oh, you know, <laughs> the Mellon team stuff. They can they can throw up a lot, but uh, it's there now. I've put it up there, and it's uh, it's fair game now. It's it's time for answers. Let's see if Chris Mellon can step up to the plate and uh, explain why he was manipulating the UFO whistleblower, who is set to talk before Congress again and. His big op-ed is coming out in a bunch of different uh, news sites, major news sites and publications. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But if Chris Mellon's running the show, what's the point? Could be legitimately asked. And Miss Olivia, with that, the last question okay. of the night. I'm going to, these all go together. Okay. <laughs> I believe it. Dow Jones Muller, we paid for the breakaway civilization. Joseph Tugas, uh, all UFO technology is intellectual property of private corporations. And Chase Gallagher, question for DJ. What is the real relationship between the defense contractors, the DOD, and the taxpayers? In other words, are the contractors subsidized by the government taxpayers? Well, there's no question. What they did was they created a gigantic infrastructure in space, in secret, and underground in secret. And they had a certain aspect of the Defense Department budget to do it. They started all the way back in the 1940s trying to survive a nuclear war, and they built massive facilities. I've talked to someone who was in one of the facilities, and uh, it's so far underground, but it was like a whole city. So we don't know anything about that world. <laughs> and they are set up to survive anything. So um, I'm glad that we have plans to survive any types of attacks like that. But I'll also tell you this, which is if in 1987... Ronald Reagan and Premier Gorbachev sat down and were trying to come to some agreement to eliminate all nuclear weapons, it's a pretty good hint that they had some other technology to replace it. So we're still living on an old paradigm when we're thinking about nuclear confrontation. But nonetheless, those weapons exist. Um, but there are much more hardcore weapons, and even the things that we know about that are in the public, like Rod of God weapons, uh, would absolutely decimate a country. And uh, I think the nature of this war buildup gives us a hint that, you know, just like the war in Ukraine and the moves in the Middle East and the Iraq war before it, these are moves for dominance. And um, what's been happening on our side is our government has made a series of moves without our approval. Now, other governments have made their moves too, I don't think Russia and China are just sitting innocently by. But nonetheless, we live in our country, so we're addressing our country. And that secret system exists across the board in the globe. But we're talking about the American aspect of it because I think that the, the roots of that ExproTech system really sit here, although you're going to find that Russia has its own deep state and you know, you're going to find those interlocking moves in Europe as well. But nonetheless, when we refer to the American program, they're accountable to the American taxpayer. And we've been so out of the loop on those secret programs that I think that's where the transparency can be brought in. 
Now, you know, it's not saying that a country doesn't need secrets in terms of its technology. They all do. But um, this has gone to such a level and there's such a, an out of control group that is accruing power. It's a small group as well, but it, it is relentless in its adaptations of power through industry and technology. And so we have a very schizophrenic situation that's developed on the ground with the average people and this other thing that is off into AI and eighth sphere <laughs> activity and all the rest. So um, we're in an unusual situation where the technology has gotten ahead, far ahead of our wisdom of how to use it. And if we don't get our hands back on that and reset the course, you're going to have the crazies at Davos and the COVID crowd and all the rest of it cooking up disease X and using the steganography <laughs> in a very occult fashion. Um, so it's very important to get a handle on it. If the Congress is so interested in this UAP aspect and think they can make a lot of money from introducing this technology, then, um, well, well, good. Then uh, they can certainly get to the bottom of a former Defense Department official manipulating the whistleblower that's being brought before them. I would recommend that that's the first order of business, you know? And um, in terms of getting to the deeper level of what, anyone in those programs is talking about or what we've been talking about on this show, people with that knowledge base like Admiral Inman and others, while he's still with us, <laughs> could give us a hint at how that larger system operates because it's been operative for eight decades, as we've said. So there's no question that that's what's going on. And uh, if you're going to stand up and say that you're a whistleblower, then that's what you're about. You're not about Oh, I'm strategically trying to find out where I'm the most marketing worthy, <laughs> you know? And um, if you're somebody like Mellon who wants to bring, you know, that banking family interests into high tech exotic technology through the UFO file aspect um, by pairing up with a lot of deep state actors around it, it is exactly the last place uh, to go for transparency and that needs to be shaken out if anything is going to happen in the UFO field at all. I told you last week that this story was going to, um, you know, I told you last week that the story was going to basically explode the UFO field because it's been existing in a kind of a same sameness, like, hey, you know, Anna Paluna Luna is going to get us transparency by talking to this whistleblower. But if we don't see the larger structure that's operating the marionettes in the background, it doesn't mean anything. So um, if it's just superficial, hey, we went against you know, the establishment and got that information. But if they're getting it from you know, billionaire DOD officials, then they're not getting anything. They're just getting a headline. So let's go for the real thing. Let's go for true potent UFO disclosure. Let Chris Mellon come down off the ivory tower and answer all of these things. Are you controlling the whistleblower, Mr. Mellon? Then answer the question. And if you're not, then why couldn't he come on the program? Or any, you know, any moves. Uh, this, you've got to address it. You can't go any further. You, you know, you, you can go off a cliff with the jellyfish and have fun with TMZ, but this is really, you know, the point. And, uh, you know, if you're going to go deep on the UFO file, you've got to go into Expertech. There's no getting around it. And I think researchers have run into it for years. 
and uh, it is the nature of the situation. I have a quote from John Keel about some of the funny actors and players <laughs> inside. It's a very short quote about some of these experiences, and we'll wrap up with that, and then we'll uh, take your last question or a super chat. It's up to you. Okay. Uh, okay. John Keel, I think, um, he did two really brilliant, wonderful things. One was he discovered that the men in black bore a incredible resemblance to the Sami people and that this identification of them as Asian was completely wrong. And he did that by getting these photographs and interviewing his witnesses and asking them to point out. And uh, over and over again, they all pointed to the Sami picture. So I put that out there a few times. Here's an interesting thing that he had to say. So when he was investigating these cases, once in a while, these very unusual voices would call him up. And they sounded like they were in some kind of electronic tunnel or whatever. And they'd give him information about things. Or they'd say cryptic things. Or they would say, don't go to so-and-so tomorrow. Or don't investigate this case. Very odd little pieces of suggestions. <laughs> he got used to it after a while. But um, this electronic disembodied voice came up quite often. So here he has to say about one of these occasions, he's talking, one Sunday afternoon in the spring of 1967, I was walking along 42nd Street and 3rd Avenue with a lady friend. There were very few people in the streets at the time. Suddenly a tall, thin man came around a corner. His face was gaunt and pointed, and he was carrying a camera. He raised the camera and deliberately took our picture. Then he turned and ran up the street. My friend knew nothing about men in black. And it is not unusual to see tourists snapping pictures in New York City. I deliberately refrained from making any comments. That was strange, she remarked. He was such an evil-looking man. Why did he take our picture? I could only shrug. The man, incidentally, was not dressed in black this time. He was wearing a sports jacket and slacks, but his clothes seemed to hang very poorly on his thin frame. A few days later, Dan Drazen phoned me. He was preparing to go to West Virginia with a camera crew. This is during the whole Mothman sighting and all the UFO sightings in the 60s before the, the bridge collapsed. A few days later, uh, Dan Drazen phoned me. He was preparing to go to West Virginia with a camera crew. You know, this probably doesn't mean anything, he said slowly, but the other day I was walking through midtown Manhattan and an Indian took my picture. He was even wearing a black suit. Dan knew of my concern with the men in black, but he was not well known uh, to the UFO enthusiasts. I'd try to tell myself that the photographer on Third Avenue was a UFO nut of some kind. Probably just a tourist, I said. <laughs> Probably. In West Virginia, Mrs. Hare, uh, who was this woman who was a reporter, and she was getting all these men in black visits, was continuing to have problems. A luminous object appeared over her house and projected a powerful beam of light into her backyard. She was not at home at the time, but her husband and several neighbors saw it. Then one evening, her confused little man, a little man in black, reappeared on the streets of Point Pleasant. She was certain it was the same man who had visited her office in January. This time he was wearing a khaki-colored uniform, but had on the same thick-soled black shoes. When he saw Mary approaching him, he looked alarmed. He took off on a dead run and leaped into a black car driven by a very large man. 
By the time I got into the line of traffic, Mary said, he was gone across the bridge into Ohio. I didn't get the license number, but the color looked orange. Three days later, on May 8th, Miss Hare arrived home from a civic meeting around 11.30 p.m. Just as she was opening her front door, a large black car squealed to a stop directly outside her house. She stood on her porch and watched as a man got out of the vehicle, raised a camera to his face, and snapped her picture. His flash gun was very bright, she reported. It blinded me momentarily while I was standing there rubbing my eyes. He got back into his car and drove off. I couldn't see if there was anyone else in the car, she paused. Now, why do you suppose anyone would want to take my picture like that? Why indeed? Our men in black were now engaged in a new game, or perhaps it was the game that had been going on for years, but no one had noticed. And if I didn't have enough trouble already, I knew I was chasing phantom photographers all over the landscape. Uh, and he goes on, and there are many more stories that kick in like that. But the strange uh, kind of astral agency side that's employed when you get around the men in black stuff, when you get around X-Protect, it doesn't it lends itself directly to what they're calling interdimensional around this UFO aspect. But in fact, the astral agency piece is something that's not understood at all in the field. So all the kind of more bizarre edge of the UFO stories come out of this fact that inside the intelligence agencies, they develop these techniques incredibly well. <laughs> and uh, if anything, I guess the version of UFO disclosure that I'm engaged in has a lot more to do with that than uh, trying to track, you know, the physical speed at which an object took off <laughs> and things of that nature, which I think has been beaten into the ground rather heavily. So there's a supernatural aspect involved in this. There's no question. And uh, I think that that is where a number of these answers are going to come from. That's why you have ex-stagnography all over it by the way. And with that, Miss Olivia, okay. you're up. Final question. Okay. David Tormina, the biggest contribution Grush can make is to reveal the apparatus that is controlling him, since by his own admission, he has zero firsthand knowledge. And Al Qaeda says, come clean, you dirty, rotten puppets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, you know, I, I can't get into another person's head. What I will say is, you know, if the, the holdup was this Chris Mellon control, that's gone because, <laughs> you know, uh, if you didn't want blowback from the Mellon family, you know, there's no way that you can take on UFO disclosure and not get blowback. It's a ridiculous thought. And if you, Mr. Grush, um, want genuine UFO transparency, you're going to have to stand up to all those people. That's just the nature of the thing. And you do it, you know, as you can see in the like-minded crew of the ideas room, you're not any better or any worse than any of us here. We're here to talk about these things and uh, you've had exposure to some things and uh, you know, these people can be aware of it. The idea that you need some kind of media apparatus and an agent and Chris Mellon pulling the strings in the background in the first place, you know, that's the kind of thing I tried to get across to Grush in the conversation. But, um, to me, part of the problem with the Grush operation is that he's trying to play too many sides of the fence. And he actually is involved in um, 
The Mellon op is a false CIA UFO disclosure op meant to bring in emergency powers, large deal finance for UFO defense office, things of that nature. That's the, the fiddle who he's playing. That's the crowd he's playing his fiddle for. So if you don't get away from that, you know, then you just become part of it. That's it's inevitable. And um, so the, those were the things that I brought forward. And I, I thought of it as helpful advice, not as, uh, you know, a judgmental thing or a gotcha or anything like that. Actually, uh, what surprised me the most was that after really, you know, exchanging that information, that Grush was somebody who wanted to go and, um, you know, into this billionaire CIA thing. It said to me that some of the things that he was saying didn't check out, didn't add up. But uh, I'm I'm all open to discuss it in a gentleman's debate. I think it should be in public. Enough with the behind the scenes stuff. You know, let's talk about it publicly. If you want it to go before Congress, work it out now. If Mellon is yanking your chain in the background, we already know about it. So let's get on with it. But I'll tell you one thing: the field, as far as moving forward and doing these things, this is a real speed bump, and you're not going to be able to go any further unless you address the Chris Mellon puppeteering. I mean, it's obvious. I've just put it on the record. There it is. So, uh, and let's see where things fall. Things can go to a much better place because of that. And he can go retire with his billions into, you know, um, UFO bunker. <laughs> right? It's not a bad place to go. Everyone, you're watching the Dark Journalist Show. And it's great, great to put this report with you on record tonight. Uh, the UFO file puppet show, Expertech Games, David Grush and DOD official former DOD intel official, I always say former, Christopher Mellon, um, who, you know, is a heavy, heavy equity investor, private equity. That UFO file is looking good right about now. Uh, we took some great questions tonight. Thank you, Ideas From. We will see you all next week. And uh, again, we have a fantastic interview coming up for you next week and the following Friday. What's the date on that, Miss Olivia? I don't know. <laughs> well, figure it out. The 26th is next Friday. So I think it's February 2nd, the X-Series comes back. and Groundhog Day. <laughs> well, that really makes sense. A couple of last-minute things for you. Oh, uh, Apotheum, the special, February 25th, 2024. Don't miss it. This is a keeper. Uh, we want to say hello to our friends, the Tall Whites, hanging out <laughs> there. We know they're in the ideas room somewhere. And... Uh, also, I thought this was a great story. I just, when I was running across so many things, this was Jets keep 24-hour alert for saucers. <laughs> July 28th, 1950. Pilots ordered to down objects if they don't land. The Air Force revealed today that jet pilots have been placed on a 24-hour nationwide alert against flying saucers with orders to shoot them down if they refuse to land. <laughs> That's a real newspaper story. My final great tidbit of the evening is um, a request by Rand Corporation from 1947 for a world circling spaceship. <laughs> Hello, Satellite Technology International Geophysical Year. This document is very interesting, and I'll get more into it as time goes, but I wanted to get you guys going. And then... Uh, a, a kind of it's kind of a teaser for a show that I have coming up. Statement by early Mormon church leaders. Some individual, this is about Mormons, and Mormons in the Moon is the name of the episode. There I put it out there. 
Some individual Latter-day Saints have espoused opinions that demonstrate their personal beliefs on the subject of other life in the universe. According to Latter-day Saint Oliver B. Huntington, Joseph Smith said there was life on the moon. Huntington also reported that he was promised in a patriarchal blessing given to him by Joseph Smith Sr. that he would preach the gospel to the inhabitants of the moon. LDS researchers John Vetness and Van Heel, uh, they go into this further, and uh, there's an extract, there's an actual extract from the blessing from those who will be on the moon for this guy to give. So Mormons on the moon, you heard it here first, February 2nd, the return of the X series, Mormons on the moon. Okay. There you go. And your super chats, drum, drum roll, please. Okay. Um, Bikini Truther, Helena Wilcox, Farmer Dick, Jessica Rodriguez, Calvin F. Center, Ivan Langley, Bella B., Brian Whitaker, Kelly Ross, Maggie Smith, Erica Swenson Elliott, Terry Doherty, Bo Krills, Lindy T, Don Newway, Debbie McAdoo, Copernicus, and EM. Thank you so much for your generous super chats. Fantastic. Um, boy, wow, we really appreciate your support. And uh, to all our subscribers, it makes all the difference, of course. And uh, thank you for keeping us in your thoughts as we bring you these reports. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, if any you know explosive things happen between now and then, uh, we'll have a special report for you. We're keeping a close eye on the New Hampshire primary, of course, which is next Tuesday. And um, that's going to be very, very interesting indeed. I'll do a couple of shout outs before I leave you here tonight. And uh, I know Gigi was out there. You've got to check out Gigi Young. Just incredible uh, work that she's doing. And of course, we're going to have her back on the show shortly. Um, Bella B says, awesome sauce. Great show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bow Krills, where the hell did you get that, DJ? It depends on what you're talking about. But if it's the Rand thing, watch out. That thing is, <laughs> you're going to get a lot more answers about it, probably more than you want. Olivia Wings Girl, it's so interesting why many financial people are involved in the disclosure game, which makes me think there must be some kind of financial game going on in space. Absolutely. No question about it. JP Morgan's up there, baby. Uh, Gypsy Moon says, hi to Giza. Is Giza's Death Star out there? Joseph, are you there? Fantastic. <laughs> Yikes, hi and goodbye. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to you next week, sir, as you know. So I hope things are going well. Uh, down there, David Tormina, Grush, Mind Control Patsy, feeling it. Well, David, David gets those deep intuitions. Sorry about your pipes, Dr. Farrell. Is that the uh, organ? We'll find out about that. Uh, Black Zionist, DJ's looking real distinguished tonight. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. You had one person uh, <laughs> criticizing the tie, and everyone <laughs> leapt to its defense. Let me tell you, this tie is it. I, I'm so sold on this tie. It's unbelievable. Um, Rudolph, the tall white alien. You're going to have to email me about that story. Admin at darkjournalist.com. I want to hear about it. Let's see. Uh, I know Kate's out there. It's fantastic to see you. And thanks, GG Rick, Finding X. There's GG. Great to see you. And Bo Krills, double trouble tonight. Mr. Wolf, always great to tune in. <laughs> what a great crew. And yeah, fantastic questions. <laughs> and Miss Olivia Bravo, really nicely done. Uh, and uh, let's see, Hot Poser. What else have we got? I love that Dr. Farrell is on. Absolutely. Well, 
Farrell just did a news and reviews piece that was really wild. Um, let's see how else we've got. Chrissy Wood. Thank you for being a lighthouse in a sea of misinformation. Well, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. We are in a sea of misinformation. It doesn't need to be like that. And I'm optimistic that things can change around. <laughs> Part of it is, is, you know, coming clean in the first place. Uh, and Jen Passivan, I hope Grush grows of <laughs> a JJ and spills his guts on your show. Wow. Is that really true? Um, he's welcome here anytime and he knows it, but, um, you know, we don't quite have the Manhattan soiree digs, but Hey, you can get some good discussion and that's all we're really looking for. Brad Briggs, bravo global Atlantis. Great show tonight. Thanks. It's good to see you out there, sir. We will see you all next week. Don Newway. Yes, sir. Great watching. Great wrenching. There we go. <laughs> That's the way to put it. Happy Friday night, everyone. We will see you all next week. And remember, never let it be forgot that once there was a Camelot, and there can be again if we all put things uh, right in the center of our thoughts and envision that coming true, we'll get it. And you know, it says end broadcast, but after all, Never really ends. It never really ends, says Miss Olivia. We'll see you all next week. And uh, I hope all this gets resolved in a positive fashion. I hope people like Mellon come out of the blue and, uh, you know, surprise us. Make some comments. Come on the show. You're welcome for Gentleman's Debate. I'll have John Warner come up. We can all talk. Uh, David Grush, anytime. You know, you might as well come on this show and face tough questions before you go before Congress again. Think about it that way. And uh, I know that you know, you probably want to as well. So let's just get on with it. And uh, thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you all. And uh, it says end broadcast, but it never really ends. See you soon. God bless.